So we shall flow a river forth to thee, and teeming with souls shall it ever be. Nomine Patria Fili, Spiritus Sancti. Hey, hey man, you guys gotta teach me that prayer. That's some good shit, man. Dude, Rock, it's a family prayer. My father's father before him is that sort of shit. Oh, come on. And forever quoted it shall be, in every fraternity, by white guys named Kyle, probably. For thee, my lord, for thee. In nomine patri, et fili, et spiritu santi. This is spoiler. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Intricate. Tense. This is spoiler. Hello, and welcome to Spoilers. I'm your host, Corey, also known as Kylo Ren Memes. And tonight I am hosting our latest episode, which is on the movie The Boondock Saints, written and directed by Patrick Duffy. Now, this is a movie that I thought was Patrick. pretty much the coolest thing ever when I was in high school and when I was a young adult. I think some of you guys are going to agree with me on that. I remember back then I didn't really recognize much of the goofiness that I now recognize. <laughs> And uh, also another topic I'm sure we'll revisit here shortly. But I have an opening question kind of related to this for you guys. I, my question for you is when you Kylo. were younger. Kylo. Yeah. It's Troy Duffy, not Patrick Duffy. <laughs> Unless that was a joke that you're making. Just wanted to clarify. It was a joke. It was intended to be subtle. <laughs> for those that don't know, Patrick Duffy was the dad on Step by Step. Which was like the poor man's full house debatable but yeah <laughs> the 90s are killing me alright <laughs> alright my opening question for you gentlemen is what things did you like when you were younger that you now look back on and think okay that was kind of cringe now this is a discussion we kind of recently had on Big Dumb Movie but I want to hear your takes obviously you guys were not there for that also, I want to know about your experience with the Boondock Saints, so you're welcome to share that in your answer if you want as well. First up, Stevie. Man, oh man. Um, well, I can't say this movie. That's not fair to the movie. Now, I'll come with what I said earlier to you guys. I mean, I was really into yo-yoing when I was younger. Like, when it was, like, really big in the late 90s. And I feel like it died off really quickly, but I still tried to carry it on like two more years, and it just wasn't working. So yeah, I'll go with yo-yoing. <laughs> Do you think, like looking back on it, like that was kind of cringe that you were into yo-yoing? Does that qualify? I mean, my older self probably would have like jumped back in time and like kicked me hard in the groin, saying "Stop it." <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with that yo-yoing. I think that's harsh, Stevie. There's nothing cringe about yo-yo. Yeah. Yeah, but like I practiced it a lot, and it was just—it wasn't worth it. I wasn't any good. What was the best trick you could do? Man, around the world was easy. Rocking the cradle was easy. Walk the dog. <laughs> Walking the dog was easy. There was—I forget what it was called. There was this one where I don't know how to explain it, but you had like the yo-yo string like out in a straight line in front of you, and you would bounce the yo-yo like back and forth on it. It was kind of cool if you oh. could do it, but like. I only pulled it off like once and no one was there. So in like history, it didn't really happen. I think that trick was called, there was a fire fight. There was a fire fight. Was the goal to go pro or? In my brain, yeah. Like 
<laughs> Why not? A, pro, a pro-yo. A pro-yo, exactly. But I just ended up being like a soul yo-yoer, you know, doing it for the love. Single. You were single too, weren't you? <laughs> I was like 12 years old. So yeah, you were single. Yeah, very <laughs> single. You were a nerd. <laughs> yeah. You were lame. Cabron lames. Well, Brett, the one who is accusing Stevie of being lame here, I'm sure that you have some interesting stories to tell on this topic. Uh, actually, I wasn't gonna. I had two like minor ones that I was gonna say, but I thought of one. Uh, Stevie reminded me of it, and it's it is pretty cringe. Um, when I left my Catholic school and went to Concord for the first time in eighth grade, I got really into Jinkos. Let's go! And <laughs> I thought they were the coolest what? thing in the world. Uh, they were really popular at the time. Uh, it wasn't just goth kids. Um, us popular folk were wearing it too, but then, uh, us popular folk that went real quick. Uh, <laughs> and I, I do not look back. Thank God. I don't, I don't think I have any pictures. Brett, do you mind just like elaborating on that? Cause some people that listen to this might not know like what Jinkos are. Like maybe you could spell it out and then like explain what they look like. Okay. So I have to spell it out. I believe it was J N C O. Shut your mouth. Oh, hold on. It's welcome to my life. She's barking at... Oh, it's a dog. Yeah, okay. Shut up, ho! As we lie in wait to hear the finer points of... <laughs> yeah, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. What do you I've never heard anyone say this brand out loud. I always thought it was Gene Co. No. Okay, uh, sorry. Uh, they had two sizes, probably. Really big and ridiculously big. <laughs> and... <laughs> They were like a little longer than usual. They had the big legs. I mean, Mike, I mean, I've heard Mikey talk about them as well. I mean, we all kind of remember them, right? All of us, right? Yeah. Imagine uh, a sailboat yeah, yeah. and the cloth made for the sails <laughs> is the, your pants, pretty much. Your, your pant legs are as wide as a sail. Yes. Imagine yes. like hammer pants, but like jeans, like parachute pants. It's yes. kind of, but like some of them, again, were more subtle. Like my very first pair. Looking back, they weren't that big, but they had this, oh my God, the J was like a saxophone. It was like the coolest thing in the world to me. I had come from a place where we had a dress code, so they just were big. They would get bigger and bigger, and then luckily they went out of style like in a year or two, so, and then I moved on to like Tommy Hilfiger, which I was like, oh, these are way cooler, so that's, I, I don't I don't know if you got anything else. Do you wear Wrangler now, or what jeans do you wear nowadays? Uh, I think I think I wear Old Navy. Mm. I wear like the stuff that's got the what are they called, Brittany? Like spandex. Well, thank you for clearing that up with them, Pappy. <laughs> but um... <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, and then, uh, hey, I was fascinated. <laughs> to answer your other question, I was I'd probably say I was one of the earlier people to get on the Boondock Saints train, and we like spread it around the whole school. I thought. I mean, I probably haven't seen this movie in 15 years, and I would still say it's probably in the top 10 movies I've seen the most because I watched it an ungodly amount of times in high school and college. Right. Um, so that's probably what I'd say with that. I mean, we had my brother and I had the poster of the two hands and the Veritas and the Equitas, and I mean, we like, knew the prayer and all that stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I told Brittany I bought a peacoat. I thought a peacoat. First off, peacoats are cool regardless. But mm. I bought a peacoat because, what, you have to be in the Navy to wear a peacoat? I don't think you have to be in the Navy, but I'm just, <laughs> I don't know if they're cool, man. I mean. Sorry, first world problems. <laughs>
Okay, so you were a big time fan of the Boondock Saints. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was. That was my. They, I thought they were so savage, man. They were so cool. <laughs> Using words that are not allowed. But moving on to Mikey. Mikey, why don't you tell us about your cringe? Well, first of all, the trick to Jinkos is to get them tailored, uh, so they fit like regular jeans. Oh. <laughs> no, that'd be stupid. <laughs> There's like three pairs of pants and one pair of drink coats, so. <laughs> Cringe stuff. Uh, music is an easy one to go to just because that changes really quickly, especially when you're young. So, Stevie, you might be upset about this, but I think Muse jumped the ship as soon as they had Blackout on Twilight, and it was pretty devastating <laughs> after that. It was, Dude. I didn't like much of their stuff afterwards. You know that meme... Where it's like the back of a, like the back half of a horse looks incredibly drawn, and then the front half looks like it was drawn by a three-year-old. Yeah, that's like Muse encapsulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first like what three, four albums just three albums were amazing, absolutely yeah. insane. And then I didn't like much after that. So I'd say nope. music is a good, good one, and especially Muse for me. Okay, Muse. Uh, I'm gonna go next. One thing kind of on this topic is when I was in middle school, I was like a closeted Mandy Moore fan. Uh, This was around 1999 when her album So Real came out. Candy? Yeah, Candy was on that one. (laughs) A Walk to Remember? Before then. uh, This was back in the 90s. This was around the time Boondock Saints came out. Um, But I didn't know about this movie, but I wasn't a Mandy Moore. I... Like, was a closeted fan. I listened to her. I had a huge crush on her. But I never told any of my friends that, like, I actually listened to her music. But that's kind of the opposite. That's something I thought was cringe at the time. But now I'm kind of okay with. Like, I've come to peace with that. Don't be embarrassed about music. So my actual answer is more movie related. One of the movies I thought was super cool when I was a kid is a 1984 movie called Revenge of the Nerds. Hmm. I love this movie. Now, this movie is really bad. A lot of crimes. In more than one way, yes, Brett. There's things that are very iffy at best. Sexual assault. So that movie is cringy enough by itself, but the movie builds to this, like, talent show kind of thing at the end. And the point of it is that the nerds, their talent show, they put together this, like, song. It's supposed to be cool. And yes, there is this guy doing the rap, and he's like, he has a little Michael Jackson jacket on. That whole song, it, it makes me physically like cringe. Like, it causes me pain. Like, I cannot believe that I thought that was as cool as I thought it was. It's bad. So, yes, the music number in Revenge of the Nerds is my answer. The Tri-Lambs tried their, did their best, all right? Leave them alone. Lambda, 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 and Omega Moo. Stop it, dude, seriously. <laughs> Even when I edit it in, it's going to hurt me. Oh, you, why are you getting mad at old little me, Lamar? <laughs> Okay, next up, joining us for the first time in a long time, Brother Jordan. 
It said Zodiac. Hey, guys. Oh, it was Zodiac last time, huh? That was recently. That podcast <laughs> just came out, so I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just like last week. <laughs> Good to have you back so soon. Thanks, guys. Oh, man. So I, I'm going to follow Mikey on this one. I went through a big Coldplay phase back in the day. <laughs> Coldplay oh, J. That's what we used to call him, Coldplay J. <laughs> Hit its height in uh, our freshman year when Pappy and I were roommates. Um, and yeah, looking back, even just like a year later, was pretty rough. But <laughs> that's my main one. If I go further back, it would be something like I don't, like Beanie Babies. We had a lot of those around the house when we were younger. Always thought that they would uh, be like what the precursor to like Bitcoin. They're going to be bigger than but... Bitcoin, J- Jode. All right. <laughs> that was going to be our currency. Was Beanie Babies? We almost. <laughs> Changed the whole economy to Beanie Babies. <laughs> NFTs. We don't have them anymore. <laughs> I don't think. Maybe Joni has them somewhere. Yeah. My mother-in-law has like no less than 100 Beanie Babies at her house, and several of them are still in the packaging. So I think she might still be holding on to that notion. Mint. For Jordan. Nice. <laughs> we had no less than 200 at one point. Oh. My grandma had every one of the original ones. Brother Josh, you're up next. Hey, Brother Josh here. I I like the trend Mikey set with talking about music being something you cringe about. I think Incubus, much to my friend's dismay... Don't say it. ...gives me a lot of cringe. Incubus is still good. Uh, I mean, I don't really like the lead singer's voice anymore. I remember at parties, like, explaining to girls about the lyrics that I just saw. Yeah, it's bad memories. Oh, no, you were just cringe. Oh, dude. Hey, we're talking about the cringiest of cringe, right? You're making me physically ill, Josh, for you. Hey, check out my shirts. The Beatles ever heard of them? Yeah. I know they're seeing these. Like, they actually mean this. It's oh, super God. deep. I am bottled, fizzy water, and you are shaking me up. You are a fingernail running down the chalkboard. I thought I left in third grade. Now my can't believe you guys are embarrassed about music. Just you gotta own it, man. You know that meme with like the guy and his like hand is on the girl's neck and he's like he's screaming exp- at her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's Josh mansplaining Incubus. Yeah, Brandon Bo- Boyd's poetry, probably. <laughs> Little puffy clouds or whatever the hell his book was called. Yep, I still remember. But anyway. I- Brett also talked about like junior high fashion, and I think Oof. this is where my cringiest story comes from. So w- when I was in eight, I think eighth grade, all the guys on the basketball team, which I was on the basketball team, wanted to dye their hair blonde, and that would be like our little team thing that we would do. And my dad just like flat out wouldn't <laughs> let me do that, oh, and so bummer. just. So many things about it are cringy. Like, <laughs> mostly though, me thinking back, wanting to so bad. It, like, that's just so dumb. And then also, like, it's just kind of cringy thinking of my dad being so like stubborn about like why, why not just let me make the mistake, right? But then the other <laughs> thing is cringy is like putting sun in in my hair, oh, like yeah. on on the DL in secret. Just like, oh, just like gonna die a little bit in defiance or some shit like that. So, (laughs) just overall, very cringy stuff. Did your dad notice? 
uh, my mom like kind of had my back on it. It was very nice. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> hair gel was not one of my finest things either. Hair gel. That's a good one. L.A. looks. Axe body spray. Yeah. <laughs> I went all out for you, Corey. Those are really cringy stories, man. So Th- Those are great. Before we toss to Pappy, the last one up, maybe Josh, I mean, I, between you and Jordan, I think maybe you guys should tell us a little bit about your experience with the Boondock Saints. I understand it to be a long family tradition or something. I feel like it kind of goes down in spoilers lore, but... It might have been Brett's DVD, actually. Yeah, Ended probably. up in our basement. Just kind of got stuck in our basement. And I think that's probably how maybe Mikey, Pappy, Stevie, Jordan, and me all watched <laughs> it for the first time. 100%. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Thanks, Brett's Brett. DVD in our You're basement. Welcome, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a porno mag in the woods. It's the... <laughs> Someone's going to leave a Boondock Saints DVD. <laughs> In a basement somewhere. I'm surprised it has taken you guys this long to get together and do a podcast on it. But up next, Pappy. Pappy, recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Corey, do you think Primus is cringe at all? Looking back? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I that, that dude, uh, I think his name's Les Claypool, the singer and bass player. He He can slap some bass, dude. Oh, he's like the best bass player in the world, but I mean, he's not a very good singer. No, he just kind of talks weird to sing. My name is Bud. Yeah. I'll stick with music. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little twist on it, though. So, like, when I was sub... 13, 14. I really, really liked the monkeys. Actually, I liked their nice. TV show, had a best of the monkeys CD. And then for a while I got too cool for the monkeys and really looked down Ooh. on the monkeys. It probably like coincided with liking the Beatles. And now I'm like all back in on the monkeys last train to Clarksville. That's a jam. Lots of good songs. The stuff about them not playing their instruments is overblown. Monkeys are fine. Perfectly. Fine. <laughs> the monkeys, huh? A regular Marsha Brady over here. Boondock Saints, long family basement classic. I think I watched it a hundred times at their house, at least. It was like the this and Pulp Fiction every time we went over there. <laughs> Two movies of equivalent quality, yes. We only had three movies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, the Boondock Saints. <laughs> South Boston on St. Patrick's Day. This movie opens up with a uh, church service, just your typical church day with uh, two edgelords kind of hanging out in the back. <laughs> Stevie, you're Catholic. Somewhat. I mean, I, I am the holiest man here. Yeah, whatever. Do you dress like the McManus brothers when you go to church? You know, for a St. Patrick's Day mass... I'm shocked, especially in what's supposed to be the Irish part of Boston. How how do I put this in a non-rude, asshole way? Hmm. How little people tried to dress for the Lord on St. Patty's Day. <laughs> Hungover. They even had a celebrity guest priest from across town. They for even this mass. had a celebrity in <laughs> in no Latin, no Latin in the in this mass whatsoever. I was shocked. But yeah, just um, two guys looking like they're. 
I mean, in their finest jeans and I guess just being, like you said, edge lords. It's, uh, it's a strange... Why are they matching? <laughs> it's supposed to signify that they're brothers, I imagine, and I despise, <laughs> despise that Bill Connolly voiceover. It's the worst part of the whole movie. When I wears my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance upon mine enemies and I will repay those who hate me. O Lord, raise me to thy right hand and count me among thy saints. No! Jordan! Jordan, we match and wear matching sunglasses and light cigarettes at the same time a lot, right? <laughs> Frequently, yes. With same jeans and coats and shirts? And pea coats? I mean, Jeanco jeans, yes. <laughs> Do you guys tuck your rosaries underneath your shirt at the exact same time, too? <laughs> yeah, then kiss Jesus' pelvis? I mean, good lord. <laughs> I don't understand. They start to walk up when the father is like doing the... Like his sermon or whatever. Sorry, I don't know the it's terms not of good. Catholic season. Homily. Yeah, so he's doing that. And the one guy like goes to like, get up and stop them. But the other priest is like, no, no, no. no, no they're cool. Just because he like, knows that they're edgelords? Is that the whole deal <laughs> That's here? That's the boondock saints. <laughs> These are the Stevie, this is what I don't get. <laughs> if you're the, you're the holiest person here, explain this to me. <laughs> Two guys whose whole identity is Catholicism, they're going to leave before the... Body and blood. They're just going to dip in the middle of... It makes zero sense. They got cigs to smoke. They got to get to work. <laughs> they got cigs to smoke. <laughs> I mean, you guys don't understand. Like, growing up, I mean, the eyeballs that... Pe- like, pe- you could feel it when people would do this. they go up and get communion, take hard exit stage right, and not oh, yeah. return to the pew. <laughs> I mean, Done. why even go? That's so awkward. You don't understand. Like... People were just yeah. appalled that they, people would do this. If you're going to leave early, you got to go out the back. Gotta, the hard exit stage right during communion? Oh, my God. My favorite sign like I've ever seen probably was at the back of some Catholic church, and it said, Judas left early, too. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's good. <laughs> that's Damn. so Catholic. Got to beat traffic. <laughs> the bears start real soon. This is a big problem with the movie, though, I think, right off the bat. Already? As far as just breaking it down as a movie it's like yeah. what are th- these brothers doing there's something weird here like why don't they have any adult relationships i guess <laughs> like what do you mean they got roscoe yeah rocco rocco yeah they have one and he's the weirdest guy in the movie and he's a mobster they have their friends at the bar okay just because the brothers clearly do everything together and they've seen each other naked for hundreds of hours probably oh, yeah. at this point. <laughs> no, they all they sleep in the jeans. They never get naked. Yeah. The jeans never come out. Well, they also sleep in like a NBA gym locker room from the 30s that's been destroyed. <laughs> Definitely in the in the like the Irish Polish ghetto for sure. They watch each other take dumps. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Every day. Do you know what kind yes. of effect that would have on a man? Any man would be driven insane watching his brother crap in the corner. Yeah, it's a little spooky, for sure. As the intro credits kind of roll, we get to see our brothers. They're, they're called the McManus brothers. That's not said a lot in the movie, but it's Connor McManus and Murphy McManus. 
Uh, we get to see them at work during the opening credits. Now, I, I, as a note, I personally don't like hate this movie or anything, but I do think we get kind of like a taste of that slight amount of cringe that I alluded to earlier that comes with this movie during the opening credits. Pappy, what do you think? You're talking about the, when he punches the woman at the meatpacking plant like that makes you cringe? Or what makes you cringe about the rule of thumb thing? Because that's not true, right? No, it's, not even, it's not true at all. But like, so I guess like the whole point of this is she's like a social justice warrior woman, no, she's, I guess. And so they... She's a radical... She assault, I mean, feminist. she is, she assaults him. So, I mean, yeah. like, she starts it, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know if we need the scene at them at work, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't do a lot for me. The thing is, the acting is really bad. The acting is terrible in this five seconds. Why is this scene even in the movie? I think they want to establish they have a job. You know what I mean? Like, what do they do for a living now? Well, okay, that's fine. But, like, to do a montage and, like, time skip over something like monotonous as being at work. It, it, it made zero sense to me and like nothing got accomplished at work. I think the scene with here and the scene in the bar, it does a really good job of showing that they're likable. People like them, which is helps explain later when all the cops like them. No women like them though. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't see any women in this movie. This is a very dude movie. <laughs> guys being dudes. There's one, and she gets punched in the face in the first five minutes. She's got a tattoo on her neck that says, Untouched by Man. That's uh, that's pretty hardcore. I just think she's kind of like a, a walking stereotype, and it's kind of silly, is what yeah. I meant, Pappy, by like the cringe factor. Like the uber-feminazi, like the moment like a man steps out of line in her presence, she tells him what's what. Yeah, yeah. right away. That's that. I mean, I always thought that was kind of like, she's not doing herself any favors at a new job to the people that are training her, but radical is radical. Yeah, she should be silenced. No, I mean, silence her with that punch, that knuckle sandwich to the face. <laughs> knuckle sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> to the moon, Alice. <laughs> she blindsided him with the nut shot. The plot point being served here is like the brothers would do anything for each other, even punch a woman. Yeah. Like they're very protective of each other. (laughs) (laughs) They'd punch a woman, but they wouldn't clean their toilet at all, (laughs) ever. Now, that night, St. Patrick's Day, they're at a pub, they're with their buddies. Uh, we get to meet Rocco, who becomes uh, a bigger part of the movie later on. He's our friend. You guys talked about him a little bit later. Apparently, this guy was just, like, more or less playing himself. They, like, wrote for him. David Della Rocco, I believe is his name. He's friends with the director, and he's just kind of like like this wacky guy like he is in the movie without, like, the mob associations, I assume. But they're at this bar. This bar is going to be closed down because the Russian mob is buying property we get some action pretty shortly after, but it's kind of um, edited in a somewhat unique way. Maybe a little, little bit trying to borrow from Tarantino, Pulp Fiction kind of stuff. But these uh, Russian goons arrive, and there's kind of a mild confrontation that we don't see. It fades out, and we get to see kind of the aftermath the next day. Right, Josh? Yeah, I, I do think that when I was growing up, I, in my mind, equated this with... Tarantino-esque filmmaking. He's admitted to as much, by the way. 
there's some good parts in here, I think, as far as like I think there's four or five times like they hit the story beat where it kind of will be told from different perspectives. And I think, you know, there's some swings and misses, but there's some swings and hits too. And I actually think this first one has most of the hits, if I were telling the truth. I know it's cliched a lot, but I think cinematically, like the scene with Willem Dafoe in the alleyway, which I think is what you're leading me to here, Kylo. Yes. It's really like the info is kind of parsed out well it it didn't age well him like dancing in the alleyway to the <laughs> classical music but there's some good shots like where he's like finding the bullet and you see the other detectives like kind of peering down past the alleyway bricks like adam like wondering what he's up to pappy having seen this for the mm. first time so many years ago in the basement like this was this was cool to see this kind of like immediate plant and payoff that this like rewind editing serves. Don't you think? I love it. I love the storytelling style. I like the way the information's doled out. Like, well, I, but I think it's because I love Willem Dafoe yeah, so much. I strong disagree. I love the fact that he has to like strap in like a CD player Same. to like this. <laughs> it's awesome. And he like Joker dances down the uh, the alleyway. It's still it's silly. It's over the top. I like it though. I didn't back then though. I'll say this. I didn't pick up at this point like the subtones that Willem Dafoe's super gay. You know what I mean? I didn't realize it until later on in the movie when they make it explicit. But that's a pretty interesting part of this too. Willem Dafoe playing a, a super flamboyant genius FBI detective. It's fun. One thing that Brett was reminding me of is that a lot of our vernacular yeah. that we've used growing up is from this movie. And right off the bat, this like this like side detective who's not even a main character has this diatribe where he's like, where are you going? Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> we just say that all the time for some reason. Yeah, and that actor's name is Bob Marley, by the way. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Boston comedian. He's going nowhere. Onion bagel. Cream cheese. So Willem Dafoe, his name is Smecker in the movie, and like you guys said, he has kind of a, uh, a unique way of reviewing a crime scene. And his intro, he's got like that slow-mo intro. There's a lot of use of slow-mo in this movie, but like they set him up as like really cool, right? They got like the rock music playing while he walks in and kind of like sees the more goofy detectives like fumbling their way around the crime scene. Like they're pathetic, but this guy's awesome. So these guys are stumbling through the alley. This guy takes a blonde object, fucking whack. Hits the guy with a bandage around his head, right? Why? Because he's smart. He knows the guy with a bandage around his ass. He ain't going nowhere. He's going fucking nowhere. Where are you going? Nowhere. That's right. He ain't done yet. He comes over here and jumps on this guy's back and crushes him to death. I feel something big here. Don't be surprised to see a lot of these turning up. Brilliant. So now we got a huge guy theory and a serial crusher theory. Top notch. What's your name? Detective Greenlee. Who the fuck are you? That's who the fuck I am. But it's when uh, the two brothers turn themselves in to Smecker, I think the next morning, when like everything is kind of revealed. Like They explain to him, but we don't 
see them explain it necessarily. We see the flashback. We met him last night. Hey, had some pretty interesting bandages. Know anything about that? Listen, if you want to fight, you can see you're outnumbered here. We're trying to be civil, so I suggest you take our offer. I make the offers. Hey, Boris. What would you do if I told you your pinko commie mother sucks so much dick, her face looks like an egg? Mikey, did you enjoy the scene of the flashback with them at the bar? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I enjoy it because I, I don't know if this is one of the better scenes of the movie. Like Josh says, there's some good scenes and then there's some not good scenes. And I don't know, this is... The inciting incident at the bar is just kind of cheesy, I guess. It's not bad, I I would say, but they're shutting down a bar and, like, the Russians are taking over the rent or something and they're taking over the building and they got they come in and they want everybody out of the building now and it's just, like, the brothers look at each other, whisper something in Irish, take a shot, and it's just so cheesy and then they start a bar fight and it's, I don't know. It's not great. It's not good. Sounds like you're kind of like iffy on it. And and I see what you mean because I definitely thought that was super cool, especially the way they like yeah, throw the first punch. Like they take a shot, they set it down, yeah. and it's like, all right, time to fight. We're fucking Irish, you know? Yeah, they try <laughs> to make themselves cooler than they appear to be, I guess. I don't know. It seems much cooler as a child, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> One thing that's kind of cringy to me now in hindsight is knowing who... Tr- Troy Duffy is in this scene. Who is he? See the guy with the bandana? He's like overall kind of burly dude. He's like centered in like all of the shots. Like once you notice him. I don't think he fights though. I thought I read that he stands in the background. He stays in the background, but I don't know. I'm almost 100% sure it's the guy who like first flips off the Russian guys. He's wearing like overalls. Now that I know it's him, I just don't like it. I hate hmm. it. <laughs> Does the bartender have Tourette's? Is that yes. supposed to be what's happening? Yes. Okay. I'm going to have to close down the, the, the bar. Well, the, the Russians are putting up buildings all over the town, including this one. Fuck! Ass! And they're not letting me renew my lease. Pretty stereotypical depiction of Tourette's. Pretty cringe. Cringe point, Tourette's. Brother Jordan, the next morning, uh, the brothers get a visit from these guys. There's some, I think, pretty jarring tonal shifts in in this area, but uh, why don't you tell us about what goes down when they get visited again from the Russians? Freeze, you fucking artist, faggots! They pop into their apartment pretty abruptly, and... uh, the, the Russian guy says, instead of killing the guy that lit his ass on fire, he's going to yeah, he's gonna handcuff him to the toilet and go kill his brother in the alleyway. You know why I fucking come here? I come here to kill you. But now, I don't think I fucking kill you. I kill your brother. Shoot him in the head. Fuck you! 
And it's pretty spooky. I do think when I was younger, I thought that they would actually kill him because it seems pretty uh, inevitable at this point. But somehow he mad... <laughs> this is another thing that I did not catch on as a kid, but that toilet is fucking disgusting. <laughs> so like his dirty. face being up in there. <laughs> I had never realized it before, but his face being all up in the like toilet seat is fucking yeah, gross. It's, all, it's like a form of torture for him. Yeah, it's not great. He probably would have died eventually up there anyways. But yeah, he he's able to like go and save his brother by tearing the toilet off the wall, dropping it on one guy, and then jumping on the other man. And not a giant man crusher, as uh, Greenlee's theory would have. A serial crusher by some huge frigging guy. <laughs> I don't know if you guys like were bothered by this necessarily, but when I was talking about the tonal stuff, like it goes from kind of like fun and rompy in the bar to like it goes to the next morning right after that, and then it gets like immediately like dire. And you know the music changes pretty abruptly between scenes, yeah. and then it goes to like Techno. super cool moment when he jumps down from the uh, whatever <laughs> fifth story on top of the guy. The techno rock is a, a big tonal oh, yeah. indicator like throughout <laughs> the movie. I do appreciate that they use like that morning hangover time as like a time where real serious shit goes down. That's like when the <laughs> firefight goes down. That's when they tell Rocco that he's probably been, like, set up to be murdered. Like, that happens a lot, I feel like, and that's kind of cool, yeah. I think. It's a good call. Of course, they're drunk, like, all the time, so. They drink a lot. Yeah. So the, the brothers, they stay the night in jail, and something happens in this movie, Stevie, that maybe you can interpret or explain. I think it's, like, 30 minutes in or so, when they're in jail, uh, there's lightning crashing, you hear a Catholic priest, there's rain leaking uh, on their faces. These guys have like a moment of realization. It's so cool. This yeah, it, it's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> moment yeah, of realization? Yeah. I thought this is where they get Catholic powers. Man. Yeah, this is... This, I mean, this is holy water coming down on them from the ceiling. I mean, this is this is like Spider-Man getting bit by the spider. By man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God be deemed man. So that was just good and they flourish. But yeah, it's the calling to God to kill those who are evil. And God, do I hate the voiceovers in this movie. I don't know. I just hate it personally. Like really, really hate it. <laughs> Especially like the the way like the fil- like the way it's lit. I despise the voiceovers. The way they both come up like they're having wet dreams. <laughs> it's just it's a ridiculous scene, and I really, really despise it. <laughs> I like how they lovingly and longingly look into each other's eyes as they get dressed. Okay, thank you. Fifteen seconds after. That was, that, I always thought that was kind of weird because then it's just like, oh well, yeah, we better go. Like yeah, I always thought that was. Or else weird. we're gonna bone. We better get out of here, or else. <laughs> Stepbrother, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm glad you noticed that, Mikey. They do share a silent look, which can be interpreted however you want to interpret it, I guess. But <laughs> the way I did, the exact way I did interpret it. My problem, and maybe we can discuss this a little bit 
that came kind of like as I was fading away from interest in this movie. Like I started to like think about things more related to the movie. And one of the things I thought about was like, like when or how do they start deciding to kill quote bad guys? You know, like they do say a line in this scene. They say, destroy all that, which is evil. So that good will flourish. But like, it doesn't really seem like they, when did they plan this out? Or like, you know, was there any talk about it? Or were they just like, we, we can Norman Reedus gives him that super sexy look. And it's like, (laughs) Hey, we're going to kill bad people. Right. And then they do that edit jump where they had already explained it to Rocco. And I think honestly, like you probably can't write that script where they say that outright and don't sound like idiots. That's just kind of my personal theory. I think it's building it. Like it's the first line in the movie that he says, I do believe the Monsignor finally has the point. I, I mean, and then they have what could be seen as like divine intervention. I mean, it's like the only non realistic thing. It's a divine aspect of it. Like they get come to in a dream. I mean, that's common in religious symbology. I didn't think it was that crazy of a thing. It's just, it kind of was building. And then like Stevie said, whether it's, that's a did or not, but like the water spilling down on them and they're both having a shared dream. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I see. I so there say, is, I don't want to say obvious, but I think, it, I feel like it's building where they're kind of feeling it. And then that is a culmination um, of but it. But to my point, there's no place in the script where you flat out hear one of the McManus brothers say, we need to kill. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think you're right. I think that that doesn't read very well. We're superheroes now. We need to be Dexter now. Yeah, that's right. what the long stare into each other's eyes was about. It's like they both understood. Well, you talking about like a long in time or like long, like how the long brothers stare at each other? Mm. The latter. I love brother Jordan. Can you guys communicate telepathically in the presence of a holy water leak? <laughs> First of all, fix that prison. Right. Yeah, we should mention that the most likely thing that God water leak it. was was a broken urinal one floor above. <laughs> <laughs> just leaking onto their face. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that is the, uh, <laughs> the pee water of the upper tier. Yeah. <laughs> That's gross. Okay, so Rocco, right? So meanwhile, Rocco is hanging out with Ron Jeremy and his boss, Papa Joe. Rocco is involved (laughs) in the Italian mafia. He is called the funny man among his friends. He tells a joke in this scene with Papa Joe and Ron Jeremy. Brett, would you mind reciting it word for word? (laughs) No, uh, but it's a similar joke to uh, one that Carlos Mencia stole from somebody I, I mean, I wouldn't say Troy Duffy invented that joke. Someone from Boston probably did, but I don't Just know. Say the I, joke, Brett. Continue the joke. No, I, I'm not going to continue the joke. <laughs> the thing about the joke, the joke is the least funny part about this scene. And right. I think I would I would stand up for this scene as holding up. I agree. As, I, I think it's really, I, I, like, I love, I love when Rocco says, when they correct him with the N-word, and he goes, yeah, that's what I said. Like, I... And then, like, he starts to say something, and then he corrects himself to say... I mean, because he doesn't... And he's like, this joke sucks. I'm not going to tell this joke. This yeah, joke no, I, I think that I've, I've always liked that scene. I mean, again, like, the joke is what it is, but it's the reaction, like, 
you got you can see how spineless Ron Jeremy's character is. Like he's afraid to laugh until Papa Joe laughs. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I think I'm with Josh. I think it kind of holds up. When Rocco completely gives up on the joke and just said, "I'm not funny today. I'm depressed. I'm not doing good," and the boss is like, "Continue the joke," <laughs> and like the fact that like what in my eyes what makes that mob boss laugh is kind of the joke is funny to him even though it's racist but it's like how pathetic Rocco is in that moment is making the mob boss laugh so much yeah that's yeah. pretty funny and in character this is called I'm, I'm not funny today I'm not, I know I'm having a hard day I, I, I this joke sucks it's, it's, a, it's a stupid joke continue the joke so the genie says to the white guy uh um what's your one wish and the white guy goes you mean to tell me all the niggers and specks are out of america genie goes yeah he says well um i'll have a coke then It's, it's more like his nervousness that is like the comedy aspect of that. Like he's in front of this mafia Don. He's a package boy. And, you know, he's a, he's afraid of this dude. He was just talking on the phone about how he's going to kill this guy that he just talked to. So, yeah. Tiptoe to the tulips. And he brought him the worst sandwich of all time. Yeah. It's like, why are there no <laughs> toppings on this thing? Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. That's He needs to have some sauce, but. I didn't even notice until like a very recent viewing of this movie that like Rocco walks into the room and he has this package for Papa Joe and Ron Jeremy's like, I'm going to give it to him. And he's like, no, I have to give it to him directly. And it's a sandwich. <laughs> it's a like, it's a Virginia Slim from Jimmy John's. There's nothing <laughs> on it. Which I ate, I ate tonight. <laughs> Literally that sandwich? No. Why? I had oh. Jimmy John's tonight. Oh. There's also something weird going on with Rocco, where like in half the scenes he has these extreme bags under his eyes. You guys notice that? It's like <laughs> extreme eyeshadow. Like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. I, I like it. I don't know. It makes him look tired or whatever. But it's also inconsistent. I think he's also hungover a lot. Yeah, I think he's just kind of like generally disheveled and haggard and stressed out. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his Funny girlfriend man. sucks. His apartment sucks. He's. Like the black sheep to his friends and the mafia, like he's just, I don't know, kind of a loser, but also people like him. He's funny. Funny, funny. He has a modern life. I do feel like Rocco is like a filled out character and you can get a sense for how he even like grew up, maybe. Thank but like you. the the twins or I guess the brothers, I should say. They're twins. There's no sense of anything. It was like they were just plopped down in this shitty one-room schoolhouse apartment where they watch each other take shits. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go back to this. It's called picking the wrong character, Josh. Tell me about it, Stevie. It should be a Rocco movie. If you want to call this movie The Boondock Saints, fine. And it can be like about The Boondock Saints, kind of like on the side, cool. But to have them as the main characters, I thought it was... A real weak point of this movie. 
I could not disagree with you anymore, but go ahead. Rocco could have easily been a main character because he was a fleshed out character. Willem Dafoe could have easily been a main character because he he was a fleshed out character. Just to have the two Boondock Saints running around and shooting guns because it looked cool is not a good movie. Like having like showing an aftermath of like how this affects Rocco or just showing Willem Dafoe as a procedural is a much better movie mm-hmm. in my opinion. So like I understand. Like, yeah, it looks cool in certain scenes, but it really hurts this movie that could have been much stronger. I 100% agree. When I was watching it this time, I'm like, why is why would it waste Willem Dafoe? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. this should be his it's, movie. This, he, every scene that he's in movie. is so much better than the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a part of the movie, so I, I do like those scenes, but, like, I wish there were more. And the part that also sucks about the twins is they're interchangeable. There's nothing special about either twin. And... Like anyone who's grew up with like a sibling or, you know, a brother or sister you're even close to, yeah, you come from the same family, even if you're a twin. But my, I mean, my mom and my aunt are twins, but they cannot be any more different. And to show none of that in this movie, I thought was really strange. It would have been better if it had like more, like this is like inspired by Pulp Fiction, but if it had more of like a Fargo balance, you yes. know what I mean? In terms of like, we don't know a lot about Steve Buscemi and what's the other guy's name? Uh, what doesn't matter? Uli. Uli, we don't know a lot about them, but like just enough to like keep us interested. But the main story is obviously Marge investigating it. This should have been like the main story is Willem Dafoe investigating these like two aloof religious characters. Way more mm-hmm. interesting. Brett, would you like an opportunity to counter? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I would watch Stevie's more. I, I don't, I don't think this movie works at all. If Rocco's the main character, he's way too oafish. I, I like the way it is. I think I was always way more fascinated by the brothers. The McManus brothers were always kind of like my spirit animal. I just thought they were so cool. How, you're going to try to fit them all in tonight, aren't you, Brett? <laughs> Can you explain what you're doing? Because no one knows what you're talking about who's listening to this. Just explain, explain no, why no, you're no, looking no, don't, in don't, these I'm not explaining anything. Words. I'm not explaining anything. I'm just talking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Good, good bit. Good bit. He has an agenda. All right, quick note from the editor to add some context. In the spoilers group chat, there was this CBC News article that was shared among the spoiler men. Just some culture war clickbait bullshit that we were kind of poking fun at. Basically, it gives a list of words and phrases that you may want to think twice about before using. Ooh. The idea is these words could be harmful, racist, ableist, or otherwise offensive. Whatever. No one actually cares. Some of the words slash phrases include savage, ghetto, lame, first world problems, spirit animal, spooky, tribe, tone deaf, black sheep, and the list goes on. So here's a drinking game for you. Go back and do a shot every time you hear someone on the podcast say one of those. Uh, but thanks for busting me out. Um, I think it... <laughs> It always worked for me because Irish, Catholic, I have a brother very close in age, very close, it just in general, I just always related to it. I mean, I I think they're the most fascinating characters, but I hope we can actually dig a little deeper than the low-hanging fruit that you guys might be talking about later and realize he's actually very, very brilliantly written in this movie, in my opinion, but we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll talk more about Smecker shortly, and we'll have time to fit it all in. Brett... I I do want to ask you a question, though, because 
the way the movie continues is that the brothers, in preparation for their next move, they go to the actual black market. They they go to the place, the black market. <laughs> now, did this scene? Did it make you jizz? Like what? Six six to midnight. <laughs> I, it never did before. I literally the first time I've watched this since I like. It it made me want those berettas they had really bad, and dear God, it made me want to have a cigarette. Thank you. <laughs> but I did not. So, yeah, no, it's amazing. I would, I mean, I wouldn't want to be involved with people like that, but I love the big Irish flag and all the awesome, amazing guns and stuff like that and all the rule. See, I didn't quite get the same vibe, but I, I figured you would as like a gun enthusiast. So... I knew watching that scene that that scene is written for someone. Like, that's meant to make a certain type of personality very happy. That scene was filmed in Brett's basement, actually. <laughs> Tell the truth, Brett. I'm not saying that as a knock or anything, Brett, so keep that in mind. I don't own that many guns. Yet. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Yes. It was, I liked it, so. They do have a funny conversation about rope, though. I like that. That comes into play later which i think is funny they also say one thing that i hate to hear in a movie and they say this isn't a movie yes every time i hear it in a movie it fucking bugs me man Bronson's always got rope. What? Yeah. He's got a lot of rope strapped around him in the movies, and they always end up using it. You've lost it, haven't you? No, I'm serious. Me too, that's stupid. And then one thing you're gonna need a rope for. It. I don't fucking know what you're gonna need it for. They just always need it. Let's stay shit. This isn't a movie. That's what I wanted to ask Stevie for partial Stevie question. I hate it's it just so like much. The Charles Bronson references, they talk about movie and television shows. Like, I do like when they mention, like, the brothers fighting about rope, I think is a funny gimmick, but the meta part of it takes me out of the movie pretty quick. Well, not just that, but, you know, saying stuff like, that's not how they do it in the movies, or this, that, and the other, and the stuff they're doing is, like, the stuff they do in movies. I don't know. It's frustrating to even hear lines like that. I mean, nine times out of ten, unless I'm watching a movie, like, about a movie being made inside a movie, I don't want to, like, be told, like, hey, let's reference movies now. Why do you think they do it? Is it, just, it feels like a really amateurish thing to do. This was his first movie, right? So is that why? He's just, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, the opening question tonight was, what, like, makes you cringe? I'm sure that, like, the guy who wrote and directed this cringes at those lines now. Yeah, you're probably right all these years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our heroes, the McManus brothers, they move on to perform their hit. They're going to take out a bunch of mobsters. Um, before we see anything, again, it fades to black. So that's the way this movie kind of 
uh, reveals what happens in these big action scenes, right? These hits that our heroes are performing in their vigilante justice system. What do you think of all of these crazy edits, though? I mean, it's all kind of jarring, the fading to black, the time skips. It's all like, I don't even think it flows very well, but it's just all over the place. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't stop. It's just, I don't know. I, I would hate to see the timeline of this movie and just have watch it skip all over the place for me. If, for me, that's what it feels like. The fade to blacks are pretty rough. I'm okay with it outside of the fact that I can't help but feel it's just trying to be Pulp Fiction sometimes. Yeah. I mean, this movie, I, I'm not the first person to say that this is like a wannabe Tarantino movie, right? Oh, yeah. No, and he's admitted it. I told you that. He's, he admits to it. Right. But that's edited in a logical way. <laughs> when it's trying to do the same thing that another successful semi-recent movie did, it, it's a little bit like annoying that you know that. But other than that, I think it works pretty well for the most part with uh, maybe an exception later on that we'll get to. I think an overall question, though, is like, what do you think it like? Why does Tarantino do out of sequence editing sometimes versus why is Boondock Saints doing it? Right? Yeah, there's no reason for it in, in this movie. I feel like it doesn't add anything to the story. Well, they do it five or six times. And out of those, there's a few glimmers of it, right? Like, it works a couple of the times. I think, like, some of the reveals work. Oh, Defoe figuring out the case or whatever, or figuring out the crime scene? I thought that was the point, to establish that he knows what the heck he's talking about. Most of the time. The ones that work for me are the ones that put Defoe in the forefront, where he's, like, revealing the case to us. But there's, like, one later in the movie, not to jump too far ahead, Kylo, but it's, like, they just, like, get caught in what's his name's basement you know what i mean it's like oh they're in the basement it's like wait when did they leave what did all of this happen it's <laughs> yeah, like they happened pretty quick it's things are just like passed over very quickly at times it's strange and you guys were talking about smecker you know willem defoe's character he has a quick moment a quick scene where we do see that he is um well he rejects the cuddle of an asian gentleman i guess you could say um, do you guys, like, does this scene stick out to you? Because I remember it kind of being, like, an early, like, era internet meme, almost. The, I just wanted to cuddle line. Uh-huh. I'll be down there in a bit. I keep the press out. What are you doing? I just wanted to cuddle. Cuddle? What a fag. I think this scene... And the scene where he's at drunk at the bar is perfect for his character because he's kind of half closeted and half, I don't want to say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Repressed? No, I mean, yeah, probably a little bit, but I'm talking about outwardly, like with the hands on the people's, not flamboyant, but he's kind of like a mixture of closeted and flamboyant. He's self-loathing. I think that's one of the coolest things about his character, his writing of the character. Make him a main character. He is that. He is attracted to men. He likes to sleep with men, but it's like he's not about that life. He's he he might hate himself for it. I just think he's written really cool, and it might have to do with some of his torture genius. It might like lead to some of that, but I don't know. I think all that stuff can easily be explained away by just him 
hating himself and just, I don't know. But that's cool because towards the end of the movie, the cops are kind of like, Ugh, to him. But then by the end, they're just like, I don't care if he's gay or not. He's a, he's a genius and we're going to follow him. So I think he's got a lot of really cool arcs. I find it a little strange. Like I can agree with your position there, Brett, but I can also see an argument to be made potentially that maybe like the movie also kind of holds that position. Like he's gay, but like, it's okay. Like he's not one of those gay guys, you know? Paul, you've already had quite a bit, you know, are you sure you just want to pour the drink, you fairy fuck? Yeah, I guess I could see that, but I mean, I don't know, 1999 Boston, I guess that's very, it's likely, I guess. Hmm. But I actually, you know, I never took it that way, but uh, now that you say that, I guess, I guess I could see how people would see that. If he were straight, he'd be a huge misogynist. He's like obviously checking out cops and uniforms, butts, like in front of them on scenes. And, like, that scene in the bar where he, like, tells the bartender, like, yuck, I smell you. Get that yeah. drink faster, bitch, or whatever he says. Like, he gets pretty intense pretty quick. But, again, I think that's where, like, the self-loathing comes in. Like, he... Now, this is something you could argue, Kylo, on, like, on your... That thing you were just talking about. It disgusts him. He doesn't want to be part of that lifestyle. He's mad. He's mad that he was born that way or whatever you want to say so like he rejects it he, he doesn't reject his carnal desires but like everything else it's like I'm not going to be that kind of guy and he has to mm-hmm. keep up appearances for the cops I mean he hasn't come out and said hey I'm gay guys or whatever but no it, he's not very subtle though that's the problem like it, it comes it, no matter how much he tries to repress it like Steve said it comes out and he's almost like calling people out when they are making snide remarks and stuff towards him mm. about the gay jokes and stuff, so. So, Duffy, you got any theories to go with that tie? Look, fuck all these other guys. This was their target, the fag man. The what man? The fat man. Well, Freud was right. So you think they came for the fag man, huh? And what do you base this upon? He's very, he's like, he is the best character in the movie. He's so freaking smart. And yeah, no, I think he's by far the yeah. best written character. I think he's the most complex character. Plus, I mean, God, Willem Dafoe is amazing. Just yeah, all the time. Yeah, he's crazy in this movie. He's got some really good lines, especially around this scene where he's investigating that hit in the hotel so where good. the brothers like took out a room full of guys. Like, there's, he has some funny quips in there. He was the only one done right. Double tap, back of the head. And the pennies? New hitman wants to leave his mark. That's a possibility. Now, you Irish cops are perking up. That's two sound theories in one day, neither of which deal with abnormally sized men. Kind of makes me feel like river dancing. Another possibility is they were placed there with religious intent okay some cultures still put pennies in the eyes of the dead or silver the italians the greeks sicilians so what's the symbology there symbology now that duffy has relinquished his king bonehead crown i see we have an heir to the throne i'm sure the word you were looking for was symbolism what is this 
assumed that there's some there. It's interesting because, uh, I mean, Pappy mentioned earlier that they have superpowers now, and this is the one where, to me, it gets, like, the most out of control because they are literally in, like, an air duct, and they fall down accidentally, just barely get held up by the rope that they fought about earlier, and then manage to, like, spin around and shoot, is it eight or nine guys in there? How many bodies, Greenlee? Eight. Oh, shit, I forgot about that one. Nine. Nine? Well, Greenlee's out getting coffee. Anybody else want anything? Shit. I think they shoot eight, and then they get the ninth guy at the end, but... Yeah, I don't know. And one thing that always stuck out to me is the the main guy here. Is he supposed to be Russian or Greek? Uh, he's Russian, Russian, but he's an odd looking he, guy. He looks so, <laughs> so weird. weird. He looks so weird. Like his chest is super he's puffed a fat out. Suit. He's got to be wearing. I was thinking the same. He's got to be wearing a fat okay, suit. Okay, but his face is he wearing prosthetics on his face and a wig or something? Yeah, it's like a fat suit, but he's wearing it like so high on his chest that like it's it's not done right. I don't know. It's just real weird. And there's a mistake on his name too. His uh, so? Petrova, which is a feminine name in Russia, it should be Petrov. Hmm. Deep dive into Russian, but yeah, they end up killing all those guys, um, and then they they fuck with Rocco here too at the end, which is kind of Josh set up earlier how they think that uh, Rocco was set up to get killed. Yeah, I, I think this is where the story like really, really starts to move because the, the detective is kind of honing in on them a little bit more, I want to say, and like Rocco's story is sort, sort of coming to a head as well. Shepherds, we shall be for thee, my lord, for thee. Power hath descended forth from thy hand. Her feet may swiftly carry out thy command. So we shall flow a river forth to thee, and teeming with souls shall it ever be. Nomine patriot fili, spiritus sancti. That's right, yeah, because Rocco shows up with a, a fake name tag. He's pretending Jafar. to be Josh's favorite <laughs> Aladdin character. Jafar did nothing wrong. Told you. <laughs> Josh, they take Rocco back to his house. They kind of celebrate their victory, I suppose you could say. I'm doing it. I deserve it. I've been working for those fat bastards since I've been in high school. Look at this fucking place. They're fucking me, man. They can suck my pathetic little dick. And I'll dip my nuts in marinara sauce just so the fat bastards can get a taste of home while they're at it. Fuck it. I'm doing it. It is. Is it dead? Oh my god! Another very famous moment of the Boondock Saints happens here. Is it funny? Are you talking about a cat being exploded against the wall? That's the one. <laughs> I the told one and only. to look away. No, it's you not know funny. It holds up. That's it's funny. funny. No, it's, it's funny. not funny. <laughs> oh, it's got the death look. I think what's also funny is like you, just like the movie, kind of breezes over these huge traumatic incidents that's happened like the McManus brothers just mass murdered nine people and then they play a funny joke where they stick the their guns in Rocco's <laughs> face for like a minute and a half telling that him that he's about to die like 
That's messed up. Kyle. How do they have no concern for needing to get out of there? Like they're just like yelling and screaming in this room. Like, right. I think they left the door open too. <laughs> Agreed. They like forget they're at a crime scene for the right. sake of the prank for a few <laughs> minutes. Just a prank, bro. <laughs> to be fair with their joking before they were really, really nervous and they could have easily died. And after that, it's like, I mean, what could happen that would make you that concerned? You you could easily be dead. You were really scared you're going to be dead and you're alive. It went well. Might as well Josh around a little bit. They want their best friend to feel like he's about to die, too. They want <laughs> yeah. to bring him in on this feeling, I guess. It's that's He was the original collector playing a prank. Don't you, don't you. We're on the same side. Boss, I'm going to in his backup, huh? I'm Rocco. I'm the funny man. That ain't my name. Where's they your gun? Where's your gun? That ain't my real name, man. Nobody's genius. What the fuck were you gonna do? Laugh the last three to death, funny man! Papa Joe said there was only two! In and out! Boy, you guys sure did a good job. Ah, shit. You guys are good, huh? Cool mask. Where'd you get him? We gotta do him. Right here. No, right now. Please, please. Right. I'm the funny man. Right. Don't kill me. Don't kill me, please. I'm the, I'm the funny man. Fucking idiot. Fucking what the fucking fuck? Who the fuck? Fuck this fucking. How did you do fucking fucks? Fuck! Well, it certainly illustrates the diversity of the work. <laughs> that's a real, like, Josh-Brett relationship right there, you know? like Josh would definitely do that to me. He's probably done stuff like that to me before, so... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just glad that you respect it, Brett. Oh, yeah. I know your, your diabolical is the perfect word for you. Yeah, so Rocco was sent in, I guess, to, to die. Like, they gave him a gun with six bullets, and they said... Go kill the guys in this room. Obviously, he could not have done that, even if he, you know, fired perfectly. I guess maybe if he shot one guy and there was a guy behind him. He did his part. And if he did that twice, then he could have taken them all out. Brett, is that right? Uh, Unlikely with hollow points, but... uh... Ah, yes, I forgot hollow points. You need full metal jacket for that. That's true. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not, but that's true. So Rocco, he leaves the Italian mob in a big way. He, like, shoots everyone in this diner that was involved in him being set up, as they call it in the movie. There's at least two parts in this scene. One that I do all the time to myself, and I don't... I always go in you, and then I shake my head a little bit. You, you did your part. Like, that's something I say to myself all the time. And it's like, that's a really, really weird reference. (laughs) And then uh, the funny, funny. Yeah, so. Why does he shoot the guy through his coat? It's cool. Yeah, it's cool, man. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. I've never understood. It doesn't, okay. Rocco does some things that are just like pure theatrics. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like when he pulls his hair back and points the gun. Is that guy supposed to be like super coked out? Oh yeah. That's it. he did the international Corey can probably back me up. The international I just did cocaine thing. Yeah. With the <laughs> touching your nose and the Yeah. That part is so memorable for some reason that I did my part, you did your part. <laughs> They're gonna know we're good fellows now. Like I've watched Sopranos, dude. You are not gonna be made. That guy sucks so bad. It's just the Godfather flipped on its head. The Godfather? Yeah, it's just the Godfather scene where Michael assassinate, assassinates the uh, police chief and uh, the Turk flipped on its head. <laughs> One's a little more iconic, but okay. Well, I just said it's the Godfather scene flipped on its head. Yeah. That's all it is. Knocked on its ass. Yep, pretty much. Pappy Rocco officially joins the team, the vigilante team with the McManus brothers, and leads them to their next hit. That's kind of his role now. He's like, I'll show you guys who to kill because I'm involved in crime. Mm -hmm. We can kill everyone, I think is his quote. Okay, let's kill Rocco last. <laughs> he's going to be the last. He's a bad guy. <laughs> Pappy, what goes down at the sin bin? Um, this, so has anyone ever been to a sin bin here? Uh, a similar jerk-off with Station with Glass? I wonder. Have you? Nope. No? I've never been to one. This movie scared the crap out of me for going to that stuff. <laughs> if I even wanted to in the first place. It's disgusting. I think we should also say that Ron Jeremy is now in jail and will be until he dies. Bad guy. Ron Jeremy gets what's coming to him here for sure. But they, they're they there to kill Ron Jeremy. The part that was always most memorable to me from Jordan's basement was the full-on bag that we see that Rocco... <laughs> I mean, Rocco sexually assaults this woman, though, right? Battery. Just, Sexual yeah. battery, yeah. It's it's like the only one thing you can't really explain away. I don't get why Rocco gets a pass, but the Boondock Saints are just killing all these other people who, who seem to just be there jerking off, you know, having a legal transaction. Well, there's a deleted someone. scene about one of the guys. That's why you hear him say, I've been waiting for this guy. Dude, put it in perspective. The McManus brothers want to kill everyone that pays for an OnlyFans. <laughs> fucking simps nobody's jerking off in my town that's a lot of people yeah I don't know they got a blind spot for them they love them I mean does that make their motives here questionable I mean if they weren't questionable already no, the fact yeah. that they're uh, just like kind of like shooting randos because they're jerking off to titty dancers I think Rocco explicitly says it at one point right so he says something to the effect of so it's whoever you think is evil. So, I mean, I, I I would hope that, you know, Troy Duffy wants us to be, like, at least slightly questioning the actions of the Boondock Saints. The problem is they just look so cool when they do it, though. It's <laughs> That's <hard> so cool. <laughs> How can I be mad at him? You're right. Yeah. Speaking of looking cool, in his desperation, Papa Joe unleashes Il Duce, Listen, kid, I hope you understand what you're dealing with here. This guy is no slouch. When I was a boy, your papa used to speak of him like he was a ghost. Move him. Your father and I used him three times in 20 years, only when things got totally fucked. Whenever we needed one of our own bumped off, We'd call this guy in. He had a thing for clipping wise guys. 
but only one rule. No woman, no kids. Believe me, kid, you don't want this guy unless you are 100% sure you need him. He's a fucking monster. But only one thing, he's been rotten in the can the last 25 or 30 years. Don't even know if he's still alive or if he's even up to it. This guy has a hell of a setup. He's a regular Hannibal Lecter type in prison. He's got regular handcuffs on, but that's not enough. <laughs> this guy needs ankle cuffs, a chain around his body, a dozen armed guards, a birdcage. <laughs> Sean Connery <laughs> from The Rock. Okay, we get it. Yeah, he's King Kong. Bad police uh, procedure there. That's right. He has the birdcage. It comes and it drops down on him <laughs> to protect, I guess, the uh, parole board from him like falling forward. Uh, but this guy is like the most badass hitman ever, and he is being sent out kind of to take down the McManus brothers. That's one part that makes me cringe, though, is like because everyone gets these little title cards. You know what I mean? Um, like the, the type across the screen of like who they are and what their stats are. Oh, and for yeah. this guy, he gets Christian name unknown. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> so badass. They don't even know it. <laughs> Do you guys realize like in the editing, he's kind of copying Tarantino. He's kind of copying The Rock's most badass character, Sean Connery. He's kind of copying that scene from The Godfather, but on its head. It's a big borrow movie, Josh. This is stolen goods. Is that is that okay, though, Stevie? Do you still enjoy aspects, or do you just feel like it's cheap when you see that? To be fair, Tarantino also borrows, right? Yeah. He's yeah. a great borrower, sure. yeah. Yes, from every Asian filmmaker of all time. This is Troy Duffy's first movie. He's not a writer or a director, but he's in a freaking band. He wrote this movie, directed the movie, scored the movie. Let's just say it. It feels like... A college movie, okay? Just say what you're yes. going to say, Josh. Feels <laughs> like a college, college student film that someone made, and they're a little too edgelord, and when you would watch this in class, you'd be like, <laughs> oh boy, I don't know how I feel about that, but it was decent oh and entertaining. <laughs> right? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's it's cheesy and hyper-violent, like, which is what, I don't know, some kid in college would probably make for his first movie or whatever but i agree and uh, that does kind of lead us right into the next moment stevie i was hoping you could run us through this one the mcmanus brothers go to their next target who's some like badass stone cold hitman that rocco tells him is just like this guy is like basically pure evil worst day of my life man why didn't rocco die here like if this guy is like so good and stone cold and you know he's in the bath bathroom waiting. Like I understand there's budgetary like constraints in every movie, and I'm sure this movie didn't have thirty million dollars just lying around. But like the idea that Rocco, who is literally just lucky to be alive at this point in his life, would be able to take out this hitman is insane to me. The fact that he beats him to death with the uh, pool ball. Yeah. It also doesn't make a whole lot of sense, too, because, I mean, one of the brothers is like, we should help Rocco. The other brother is like, no, don't. And it's, I, I mean, at some point you think, like, a good storyteller would have one of the brothers kill Rocco. Then there'd be a split divide between the brothers. 
Hmm, that would be an interesting take. I, I, I do admit, I have thought about this, Stevie. Like, I, I mentioned how, like, later on in life, I would start to question some things in this movie that, like, does that make sense? Rocco killing that dude, one of the things that maybe doesn't make sense. Um, right. He is set up, like, basically he's uh, their main hitman, maybe outside of El Duce. So the fact that yeah. Rocco, even with a weapon, can overcome him is kind of a lot to accept you have to really suspend your disbelief but this guy no that but the guy gets shot right at the very beginning of the fight mm-hmm. yes he gets it's shot. a it's a yeah. side tummy shot i mean the guy this <laughs> oh, a side no, tummy right, shot that's gonna level the playing field quite a bit like there's that, that is explained like directly right okay like, okay i'm just saying he's fighting with a little tummy shot you know no no you're right i mean they build this guy up to be john wick and i'm just saying John Wick fell off a skyscraper, and he has another movie coming out. Like, I'm just saying. Isn't this basically what happens to Kylo Ren? He gets shot in the tummy, oh and then God, he gets right. beat up by. God, uh... You were like, I hate the word tummy so much, and you guys are using it like crazy. Why? Tummy's a great word. Yeah, you have a like a two year old daughter. It's cute to you. I hate it. What do you? How do you feel about the song "Yummy, Yummy, Yummy"? I have love in my tummy, Brett. That's awful. <laughs> And I feel like loving you. I don't hate that as much. I hate when like real people say it. Like there's this commercial that every time it comes on, I freaking hate it. Food with food in their tummies. The reason I like to say tummy is because my daughter walks like a founding father. Because she has a tummy that looks like kind of like a 1950s mare. And she walks with one hand behind her back and another hand stroking her chin. And it looks incredible. And tummy was popular in the 50s? So I just call it mare's tummy. Okay, all right. That's that's cute, though. I, I can handle that. Stevie, how does uh, Smecker reveal the information of what happened? There I think this is kind of a, another <laughs> big memorable moment of the movie. Now they're staring at six men with guns drawn. It was a fucking ambush. This was a fucking bomb dropping on Beaver Claverville. For a few seconds, this place was Armageddon. There was a firefight! This is why I'm saying Willem Dafoe. This should have been the entire movie. Like, like watching his dissension going from like genius cop to not being able to track these brothers down to like having questions of his own morality. Like, the Boondock Saints don't even need to be in this movie for the most part. This is all Willem Dafoe's show. And to watch him lose his mind, like sweaty, tie loose, you know, shooting a gun in the air, <laughs> shooting a gun in the air. There was a firefight. It's incredible. <laughs> and just seeing him so pent up and just lose it throughout this entire scene. Like, he's chewing up scenery throughout this entire scene. It's incredible. Oh, it's it's incredible. You're not giving enough credit to lips quivering. I think that yeah. is a defining aspect of this character <laughs> in this movie. Also, I mean... I understand he was kind of far away, but the the father-son reveal just is just so stupid in this fucking movie. And like, 
How long do you think this dad's been away from his sons? Well, it says he's been in prison for 30 years. Yeah, he doesn't care. He needs money. He's, he'd kill these guys. I don't think so. <laughs> man, oh man. It's, and also, El Duce should have killed the saints right there. I mean, the saints are sitting on a porch. Guys, you're forgetting about something. Divine. It's supposed to be like Divine. They're missing. They're both great shots. They talk about it throughout the whole movie. Yet they're conveniently missing each other. So it's like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> What's Are you telling about me that? that God came down from heaven and stopped these motherfucking bullets? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This was established earlier in the movie with their dream, I think. So this is actually realistic. But they both okay. get hit. Okay. They, everybody gets hit. <laughs> it's a flesh wound. <laughs> a, just a tummy shot and a finger shot. That's good. I don't know if it's a tummy shot. It's an arm shot. I do like, though, as much as I will rag on this movie, I do kind of like the shaky cam as well of kind of... I like the way it was shot when the brothers were spraying down the blood with the ammonia. Yeah. I actually do kind of like the way that was filmed. I thought it was a nice touch in the movie. And also just having Willem Dafoe look so angry at everybody, including the girl or the you know the girl that was <laughs> collecting the blood going, smell this! It's just great. They used ammonia. None of this is any good. Fuck! You know what that means? Even if we get suspects in the case, we got nothing, nothing, nothing. Fuck! Who the fuck are they? I've never seen any fucking thing like this in my fucking life. Who the fuck are they? I have to ask because I think about this every time I watch it, but I've never Googled it. Does that does that just work? Like, can people really just cover up their I DNA? Know. I think so, ammonia? but they, I mean, they would have had to spray every bit of it because you can, you can pull a blood sample. Yeah, I mean, from a little itty bit. It was yeah. less, you could, you probably needed a lot more in 99, but like now you don't need, I mean, you just need like microscopic stuff, but. They so you had to use a paint roller if they remade the movie now. <laughs> Possible, yeah. One thing from a storytelling perspective that doesn't really make sense to me, though, is that Willem Dafoe has been kind of mentoring, although harshly, these other three detective characters along on these crime scenes. And all of a sudden, he happens upon this finger. Yeah. And he mm. keeps it to himself. And it, it plays into the plot point where he's going to eventually have, like, sympathy and be on the side of the saints, the quote saints. But at the time, like, I'm not sure why he chooses to wrap this up in his little glove and put it in I'm, his pocket. It's pretty gross. I'm 100% with you, Josh, because what what doesn't make sense to me is literally nine seconds earlier, he's having a freaking attack. He's so devastated because the blood's bad. They're never going to catch these guys. And then nine seconds later, he's in the bushes. It's not like he recognized Rocco's finger. He just saw it and like... All of a sudden, nine seconds later, he wants to hide evidence. It just doesn't make any sense to me, that part. If he would have recognized it was Rocco's finger, like he would have seen the ring on it or something and recognized it, I would have gotten it. But it's just really weird that he goes from just being absolutely devastated that the blood's no good to, ooh, I'm going to find out who this is in secret because I want to back them up. Right. And... He does join their cause. Uh, there's a scene with them in a church. Long story short, eventually, Willem Dafoe, Smecker, he's on board with the Boondock Saints because he feels that 
the guys that they're taking out, I guess, deserve it, right? Now, one of you more intelligent gentlemen can let me know if I'm wrong here, but I think that that's like the start of the third act of this movie, is like when he joins the forces of the McManus brothers. Am I right? Uh, I guess. I don't know. It's pretty late. There's so much time jumping. Who knows? Yeah. The third act actually comes first in this Well, movie. the climax is obviously when Willem Dafoe's in drag. I don't think anyone What are you, Bugs Bunnies, the bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when Il Duce gets out, it's the start of the third act? I don't know. I know I climaxed when Willem Dafoe was in drag. Oh, yeah. I think everyone did. I like that we're assuming that rookie filmmaker Troy Duffy, Troy Patrick Duffy... Was like fully set into the three act structure here. He wasn't. Yeah, you think he sticks to conventional <laughs> three act structure? This man is a visionary. Because like there was no like dark of the soul moment in this movie whatsoever. It was just yeah, we got shot a couple times. Let's do some montage of you know healing ourselves and we're back at it. That is their low point though, isn't it? I was gonna say Stevie. There's a scene in here that we skipped over that does show some difference in the brothers. And I know we're kind of running low on time, but I think it's a really cool scene. So basically what I take as the older brother, Connor, the one with the accent or not the accent, (laughs) the one with a slightly better accent, Connor, Connor, the older one. Yeah. So the one, yeah. Okay. Sean Patrick Flannery (laughs) out in the alleyway. He, he takes Rocco and he like, explains man to man like hey we think the mob set you up sent you in with six bullets with nine people to kill and they don't care about you and they just kind of want you dead and maybe to take a few people out how's he know i just don't get in there see there's too many of them just serving their fucking food because well, he fucking it. knows you rock a smooth hitter would have gone in there seen it was a fucking wash and slipped out but you he knows this is your only shot you've been waiting 18 fucking years no, no, that, 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 that just ain't the way, that, no, that's, bu- that's bullshit. You don't know what you're talking about. It's just not the way things happen. It's, uh, I mean, thanks for your concern and all, but that just ain't the thing of it. And then, like, Rocco kind of shrugs him off, and then Murphy comes down, and he's, like, kind of the angry, more emotional, caring aspect of it. Fuck. Where the fuck are you going? To tell him. Of course you fucking told him. Oh, then what the fuck? Hey, you guys don't know that shit for sure. Oh, you're such a fucking retard. Hey, fuck you! Oh, man, use your fucking brain for once. This is so unbelievable that they don't fucking care about you. And it's clear they both, like, love Rocco as, like, a brother, right? But I thought the way they handled that, Stevie, I'll toss this to you, was kind of cool that they showed almost, like, two aspects of, like, human emotions, like, through the two brothers. Yeah, but then why does Norman Reedus laugh when Rocco dies? Dude, he's not crying in that scene. Looks like he's laughing. It's very strange. Could this be hysterical? I mean, I took it as like an excited anger. I mean, he is sad at first. <laughs> you can't stop. You get out of here. It is meant to be like a very sad moment in the movie. Definitely. Like he's ready to get revenge. And then he has a, I guess, like a more visceral reaction afterwards. (laughs) 
Do you think Ewan McGregor was supposed to be uh, Sean Patrick Flannery or Norman Reedus? Because I feel like Ewan McGregor and Sean Patrick Flannery would have, like, tore this movie up. But he's one smart man. They got nothing. Well, this guy's very sharp. If he hasn't figured this out yet, he will. No, I don't think so. The Chancellor will not be able to control the thousands of star systems without keeping the Senate intact. Yeah, that would have been good. I mean, I always liked Norman Reedus's. I mean, Accent was bad, and Sean Patrick Flanders was much better. Yeah, man. I mean, Ewan McGregor was like, it's just an amazing actor. So. Is that true? Ewan McGregor was going to be in this? Yeah. That's a great story. Trey Deppy yeah, got in a fight with him. What? They got in an argument. He went there. He was sent there, probably by Miramax or something like that, to like, get him. And they were like on the same page and everything. And they went out and got drunk. And they got into a big argument about mm-hmm. capital punishment. What? And, uh, Ewan McGregor said, fuck that guy. Yeah. Weird. You want to go home and rethink your life? I want to go home and rethink my life. Dude, he's right. We've been talking this whole time about how, oh, this is a student film. Give this guy credit. It's his first, like, shit. Dude, he hasn't done anything since but rip off Boondock Saints movies. <laughs> this is his shit. This is what he does. This is. Hey, he's making movies and I'm not. To get things back on track a little bit, <laughs> the mob guys, they realize that El Duce is still out there. And uh, Papa Joe leaves. But uh, around this time, Brother Jordan, uh, we get to see what Pappy talked about briefly earlier. And of course, I'm talking about Willem the Transvestite. <laughs> Did you enjoy this scene? I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> It's it's a little shocking that he he jumps all the way in like he says like in too deep, um, too far, too far. Yeah, too far. The the lip quiver that Josh mentioned so is good. so weird. Oh, so weird. <laughs> I, I I can't get past it. But it's also just shocking how it's quite he's cool. able to just like run through cool several of the the guys in there and like without any issues really. I mean, if you saw this person would you smash or what i mean he's better looking than that girl in the beginning but no <laughs> no okay <laughs> no i mean willem dafoe is not a good looking man <laughs> like kylo didn't you say something earlier about like how people might take this as like the movie is like anti super gay people right through willem dafoe or something to that effect i think it it might be holding a position of uh some kind of gay is okay, maybe some kind isn't. I'm not sure. Right. I don't know about I don't I don't know about that one, but this does feel a little bit patronizing, right? That they have the gay person dress up in drag and make up make out with a bunch of dudes. Like it's like a Bugs yeah. Bunny like thing. Like, it is straight out of Looney Tunes. Yeah. But like he's also desperate. Like he, he wants to get But in that's there. so stupid but Brett, it's literally a Looney Tunes thing. It's so <laughs> it's so dumb. I'm going to dress up as a girl and seduce the bad guys. What is this? What's happening? I think if anyone's watching this movie and they might be like on the fence about like, this is kind of dumb, but this is kind of good. And they're watching it up to this point. This might be the moment where they like tip to one side or the other. Now, granted, it is like near the very end, but it's uh, it's stupid. It's very fucking stupid <laughs> to think that Willem Dafoe and Drag is gonna fool his way into a room because all these guys have the hots for him so much. Like that's a ridiculous fucking notion. These guys are horny though. 
they're so unbelievably horny that Willem <laughs> Dafoe yeah. is the best thing. Yeah, I mean, guy, he hasn't had sex in a week, guys. I mean, imagine how horny he is. And they sent over Primo Box. <laughs> Primo Box. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Like, you think it would have been better if, like, the guys knew that it was a guy in drag and not pretending to think that it was a woman? You think that would have been better? I think it would have been better if we didn't have, if we didn't have someone trying to... A drag. Trojan horse is a woman into a place. Yeah, like what, why do we have to have that? Like why? Is, no, why yeah, perhaps why? Right, this is pure Bugs Bunny. Just say, let's, let's go it, one paragraph awesome. up and delete all of that and try another idea. Like it doesn't make any sense. Especially ver- versus the McManus brothers entry into the house, which is completely off screen. Just someone whispering to the mob boss, "We right. got him coming through the basement." They through the basement. Yeah, their way was their way was worse. If they would have gotten in drag, they could have gotten in <laughs> for sure. It's like Mulan. It's like they all dress up in drag. Concubines. Concubines. Il Duce does show up. He kind of like incapacitates Willem Dafoe, and uh, he confronts what we find out are, I guess, his sons. Right, Mikey? Was that super clear to you immediately? We shall be for thee, my lord, for thee. Thou art descended for the light. That our feet may swiftly carry out thy command. We will flow a river forth unto thee, and teeming with souls shall it ever be. In only part we fill his spirit of sight. Uh, well, I mean, uh, if you start reciting that family family prayer, I mean, obviously they're part. Of, he's he's part of the family, <laughs> right? Nobody knows that prayer besides the brothers. That is the conceit of the movie. There once was a man from Boston. No, that wasn't made clear to me probably the first time <laughs> I watched this movie as a young man. Uh, I was probably very confused and like, why didn't El Duce just blow those guys away? So I don't know. It still doesn't even really work for me now. So I don't know what you guys think about it. I think it's very coincidental <laughs> that he happens to be their father. Like, where did this come from? What was the setup for their missing father? That's fitting a square peg in a round hole, dude. I, yeah, I feel I feel like there was like a scene missing or something. Divine God. Brett, I'm sorry, that doesn't explain everything. Yeah. It's a literal deus ex machina. It's so stupid. How do we get John Wick to be on the good guy's side? Oh, let's just make him his dad. There is a deleted scene where the mom says that their dad left like when she was pregnant or something like that. Yeah, it's terrible. But there's no like... Um, you know, your father's been in prison. He also did this. So, like, we're picking up the mantle. Uh, I talked earlier about, like, why are they doing this, right? And, and I guess the movie's answer is just because, well, they want to kill bad guys because the world needs that. But if you think, like, comic book, and maybe that's just where my mind goes, there's usually an inciting incident that precipitates that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Bruce Wayne's parents get killed in the fucking alley by... Joe Cool or the Joker, depending on which version you're watching. What are you talking about? The inciting incident was the bar fight. That's it. (laughs) I had the shared dream. That's it. Lighting that Russian guy's ass on fire incited all of us. If they just didn't do that. And a shared wet dream. That dream was was very wet. Yes. 
and shared. <laughs> but Pappy, uh, with the family reunited three months later, they pay a visit to Mafia Don, Papa Joe's trial. And also, um, we haven't talked a lot about who's the dumb cop. Uh, what's his name? Or the Greenlee? dumb detective? Greenlee? Greenlee is like in on it now at this point. Did you guys catch oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, Greenlee's the guy knocking on the the car, letting them the, the Saints know they're ready to like sneak in, and like the other the other cops get out too. One of the other cops pulls the fire alarm as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always like thought about every time I've ever gone through a metal detector in my in my life, I've always just thought about them throwing the bags over the metal detector. It's like what a huge flaw <laughs> in metal detectors that you can just do this. There's, there's headspace. You also that you need to have someone there. Right. There's usually someone there saying like no no throwing your shit over it. Like True. Yeah. Also I don't think we've mentioned enough. I really like Billy Connolly. Like in general. Like I know that like his character is a little ridiculous and his relationship is a little ridiculous, but I don't think I've ever not liked him in anything. Like he's just his voice is cool. He's in Brave. Yeah, love him in Brave. Do you guys think that this last scene was filmed first because Norman Reedus is really throwing the accent on thick here, and it doesn't Why does he sound lose like it? it doesn't sound like he's using it for the rest of the movie. He <laughs> does it. Good point. It's really bad. He's got a really bad accent. <laughs> One of the thing that stands out too is Billy Connolly like makes the little kids in the audience watch them murder this mob <laughs> boss. That seems a little. This cruel. feels like terrorism. He wants him to witness. Like, I don't know if you really need to do that. This this feels like El Duce. Yeah, calm down. El Duce. That's what <laughs> Ned Stark does to Brian. Yep. Gotta watch, bro. Well, actually, the brother says watch. He'll know if you don't. And then who has a better story than Bran the Broken? So I guess it worked <laughs> out for him after all. Who has a better story? Literally everybody. <laughs> Josh, why don't you take us through to the end? Like, how does this movie wrap up? I think it it ends with a question. Are we the bad guys? Uh, it ends with a question from a son to a father, and then just in stereotypical, biblical, Christian form, your question is answered with the, another question. <laughs> so. How far are we going to take this, uh... The question is not how far. The question is, do you possess the constitution? The depth of faith to go as far as is needed. You speak in riddles. You kind of get deep uh, spiritual question blue balls at the end of this movie, I would say. Like, how far do we go? Well, how far is far enough is kind of the thing you're left well, how on how far is far enough well, how right. far do we go if it's how far down is deep it? how high is up yeah we, we get it <laughs> hashtag crayola but <laughs> jordan I, I was challenged before this to think like we're brothers long we didn't really say many prayers at the dinner table growing up so like what what did we have like what would we know if we started saying and only a family member would know if they like walked in in the middle of it, right? So I just want to test you out here, okay? So this is the the best I got. Are, are you ready for it, Jordan? Are you still here? Yes. Okay. 
So this is going to be fucking stupid. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> there once was a man from Boston. Oh my God. Who. This isn't just a long thing, though. Does anyone else a, know what I'm talking about? Common limerick. <laughs> Does anyone else know where I'm going with this? I don't know it. Mm-mm. No, because Boston doesn't rhyme with suck it. I don't know. Uh, he had a little Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the rest, though. Yes, you do. He had room really don't. for his ass and a can full of gas and... Sparks. Jordan. I, I don't know the end of it. His balls hung out and he lost them. Gosh, how do you not Long know that? It's the failure. best part. You're out of the family. Yeah. There's a couple other ones that I know. What's an Aston? <laughs> this is his ass? Is that what you said? Austin? Like an Aston Martin? I, I don't know, man. It doesn't make sense. Oh. It's just the words. <laughs> it's just like the prayer. It's just your family prayer. <laughs> that you said <laughs> at, at every funeral. <laughs> I'm not explaining it anymore. That's it. After the astonishing display of vigilantism during the Yakaveta trial yesterday, the largest manhunt in recent memory is being undertaken to capture three men the media have dubbed the saints. This reporter went out to the street to find out what you thought about these three. Somebody can just go out, get a gun, and shoot somebody because they feel that that they're doing some good in the world? No comment. Making the world a safer place. Are you kidding? They're killing for good, and they're only killing the people who kill. Killing for good? Listen to yourself. Stevie, this movie, the end credits roll with this series of interviews. Um, what would be your response if interviewed and asked about the Boondock Saints? <sighs> every major city? They just want to be famous. They should be in every major city. Every major city. I mean, I'm all for justice and whatnot, but isn't like one of the foundations of this country like the right to like due process? Yes. It's such a ridiculous idea. People are like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's, these are very uneducated people that are like, in these well, videos. I love the Saints, man. They're doing a great job. Keep it going, man. Get these murderers off the streets. They're not out there just killing for fame. It's like half and half, though. Like, Well, I know, but due process is very important. And what they did at the end is like pretty much terrorism to me. So, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. If you look at it, like... The Boondock Saints are terrorists, like especially what they did at the end. So, um, yeah, it'd be like hard no, hard hard no. I figured out what you've been doing, Corey. Everything that you think is dumb, you ask Stevie to talk about it because you know he's gonna think it's dumb. Hey, you got me. Oh, I figured that out a long time ago. I just wanted to wait. Hey, great <laughs> minds think alike. Brett, what would be your response? The Boondock Saints—they're out there killing people. Oh, I'm all for it. Because the more people they kill, the better it is for everybody. That's exactly what they no, get. No, do not do that, Laquelle, because you don't even know. Sign me up, man. Sign me up, all right? Where can I sign up? Who are they to be judge and jury? No, because what if your mom say no? No comment. No, I, I'm, I am all for uh, the... Vigilanteism. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a believer in the justice system, so uh, I'm with Stevie. Due process is important. I mean... Doesn't uh, definitely doesn't always get it right, but at the same time, I'm not going to cry about it. I guess as long as I don't think they should be doing it, but I'm not going to like try to stop them. Uh, I think people get more of their just desserts if they're tried and put in prison. Um, it always takes me off when people commit crimes and then kill themselves because I want them to pay for what they've done. So I uh, I want people to pay, uh, I, and if we have to pay a little extra for it, whatever.
I'm ready to my on, okay? I'm ready to get busy, too. You know, I'm ready to get busy. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we do the yes and no's? Oh, when um, Willem Dafoe is in drag and he kicks that guy in the nuts in the bathroom and his stuff goes flying everywhere, one of the things that he has in his pockets is like a one chamber, and you can see it very clearly in the overhead shot. I thought that was interesting. Something I noticed as an adult. <laughs> a what? A weed little smoking thing that you can smoke weed out of, which I never like noticed a du- Like a little dugout or just a little pipe? A little, a little dugout thing. Like a one yeah, nice. Wani. Uh, the chief is a bad actor. I thought that guy was really terrible. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. And then uh, the only other last note I had, Kylo, was a river dancing reference from Willem Dafoe. I love how like '90s that feels. If you look at his face while he does that, it's fucking hilarious. It's like, great. You, your eyes are drawn to his legs, but look at his face. But he's also on a little. Like I heard that was all done on set like on set like if the room is too small and Willem Dafoe was like this isn't gonna work the the set doesn't work and like it was like they brainstormed and they like got together and he's like I'll, I'll walk on the back of this couch and like then he threw like the, the river dancing as well like on like a really small piece of couch so again mm. he's really talented he's really awesome a little improvisation yeah. yeah sounds like a well thought out plan before they started shooting <laughs> One plot point I don't get is like when Papa Joe or whatever is like all pissed because El Duce is coming and apparently El Duce doesn't know to stop when yeah, the job is done. I always thought that was kind of like rushed in there, like doesn't make any sense. Like right. call him. But that's also that's taken from the Godfather. That's uh that's Luca Brazzi. They He's never going to stop, and they had no way of getting a hold of him. They literally have that before the sleep is the fish. He's like, he's never going to stop. They, they don't want to go to war, but they're not going to be able to stop him. So Right, but they don't have to do what the Godfather did, you know? Like, that's not required. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> it's just strange. You're right. Like, they <laughs> forgot to cancel their free trial to El Duce. Otherwise, you end up with Bugs Bunny. I was gonna say that's my favorite part of the Godfather, is when Sonny dresses in drag to infiltrate yep. the other families. If you can't so rip good. off the Godfather, you might as well do Bugs Bunny. All right, let's go into yes or no's. Let's take it back to you, Stevie. I know Josh is gonna call me a film bro for this. Oh, 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 yeah. So. I really enjoyed like watching Boondock Saints when I was younger, like in the long basement, you know, with Jordan, like Jordan, Mikey, Pappy, like watching this movie, like hanging out, like that's like it's almost like like talking about a bad movie, you know, on this podcast, but having fun talking about the bad movie. Watching this movie is really hard for me because it's just so amateurish. I understand it's his first movie. And, you know, first writing project, I think it was foolish to give him the keys like that, uh, especially when all the actors had input on set, like Brett was saying. Usually those things should be thought out way ahead of time. Uh, But this movie is just so clunky. The editing is awful. They picked the wrong characters to focus on. I really think the Boondock Saints should have been far off and peripheral. 
Uh, and Willem Dafoe should have just been on screen the entire time as a procedural. Uh, and I understand it's the 90s or late 90s, but it just, this movie's hard to watch for me. So I'll give this a, just a no. All right. Brett. Yeah, so uh, I think maybe I could shine a little light on why it's focused on the Boondock Saints. Like if you like look a little bit into Patrick Duffy's past, um, you know, his nephew Cody and his son Bud. Yeah, and the whole family. JT. Um, this was, he was inspired to write this movie because he lived in some slum, terrible apartment that druggies came in and out. He saw a drug dealer rob a corpse and he just thought, man, I wish people would do something about this. The cops weren't doing anything about it. Him and his brother. And that's where he got the idea of the thing. He's like, I would never go out and kill anybody, but I could write about people that actually get stuff done in these underserved places in the country. And I, I know it's mostly white, but uh, the people, the poor people in Boston are, it's, it's, it's really bad there. It's, uh, it's really bad. So I think that's maybe why he focused on them. I mean, yeah, we can all look at it later and realize, man, Smecker is such a, a way more rich character. But I also think he's, he's in the movie just as much as the brothers, I think. Maybe even more in the second half. Um, I think it's well done. It is, it is amateurish, but I, like, I give him props for... He, he, he released this movie. like He tried to get funding for this movie like a month after Columbine. Everybody passed on it. He just had to work really hard to get it made, and maybe he just didn't want anybody to change it. It's kind of like uh, Rocky. I mean, Rocky took a big chance. <laughs> Rocky. Sorry, Sylvester Stallone took a really big chance with Rocky. Like, <laughs> nobody wanted it, and definitely nobody wanted it if he was going to play Rocky. So he stuck to his guns just like Duffy did. I know I'm probably going to be the only one, but I think this movie rules still. Um, I thought it ruled back in the day. It rules a little less... Now, I guess. I mean, there are things that are a little tone deaf, I guess, if you want to say it, but I don't usually like talking about that. But I like it. Uh, it's iconic to me. It's, I mean, I don't, I think I ever remember DVD spreading like this. Uh, just, it was just went through the school like crazy. <laughs> I showed it to my friend Ian, and he, uh, the next day, he went to like Big Bear, or like a three day snowboarding trip, and he came back and he said, Literally, all I could think about when I was out there was I wanted to watch Boondock Saints again. And that's, I, I just, I think this movie's cool. It's definitely flawed, but it's it's a definite hard yes for me. All right, Mikey. There are things that I like about this movie and things that I don't like, for sure. Uh, I hadn't watched it in a while, so it was nice to go back. And I think one of the standout things is obviously Willem Dafoe think he's clearly the best part of the whole movie he's absolutely insane he's a crazy crazy character in this movie and he's got a lot of i don't know he's just got a lot going on and it would have been nice to see even more of him in this i guess it would have been nice to see it focused on him but i can see why duffy chose to do it the way he did got to get those hot young white actors on screen as much as possible so I can see why <laughs> nobody wants to stare at Willem Dafoe for two hours. <laughs> but the thing is, I also really like Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus, he's like a really big deal nowadays, and it's crazy to see him like basically a baby 
uh, starting out. So I also love that part of the movie as well. But um, I'll give it like the softest, the softest of no no oh. <laughs> no no i think if you're gonna watch it just watch it for willem dafoe or just like watch the willem dafoe parts on youtube and if you're into that then you can watch <laughs> the whole thing because uh that's like the really entertaining part of the movie for me so if you're into that then give it a give it a go soft no all right i'm gonna go next i love this movie so much when i was younger <laughs> When I was in high school and I saw this, I saw it with uh, someone who was like older, maybe like 20, 21 years old. And he showed this movie to me and he was like, to me, like a respected like film buff, you know, like a 20 year old. I was like 15 and he had showed me American Psycho before and I really liked that. So he was showing me this movie and just talking about how great it is. But I remember one thing that stuck with me. I meant to bring it up earlier, but... During the scene where Defoe says, there was a firefight. <laughs> and he's like, you know, doing his opera dancing, like between the bullets as the, uh, the all hell breaks loose in the, uh, you know, suburban little area there. I remember he specifically said to me, they don't make movies like this anymore. And this was like <laughs> three years after the movie came out. So that was kind of like a dumb thing to say, like looking back. But, like, I had so much respect for this guy's opinion on film, and he had introduced me to American Psycho. Um, but anyway, I liked it a lot back then. Uh, nowadays, I still like it, but I also recognize that it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and it's, at times, poorly made, I think. And there was another moment I didn't quite get to, but there are some, like, bad edits, specifically with, like, a frame that's only there for like one second and then it goes to what the scene is actually supposed to be. I've done that when I've made little edits. That's just poor editing technique. Where at? Where are you seeing that? During the firefight scene, like when things are slow-mo and they're like leaving the, the scene. I noticed a couple of those. Huh. Um, anyway, I'm going to give this movie a soft yes because I still like it enough to where I think it's like, okay. And I definitely could recommend this movie to a certain type. Right, A twenty four nerds maybe not so much, but I think your uh, your your common Transformers fan or whatever, like oh, the geez. kind of person that goes to a, the movie theater <laughs> two times a year, they will like this movie a lot. I bet. Uh, so it has its audience. Also, quick side note before I move on, this movie has an insane disparity on Rotten Tomatoes with a twenty eight percent critic score and a ninety one percent audience score. Oh my god. Fucking ridiculous, this one. Basically, I think your common man will like this movie. Your critic, not so much. But I, I give it a yes anyway. Brother Jordan, where do you fall? I hadn't even noticed the Rotten Tomatoes disparity there. That's crazy. Um, It's a, it's a soft yes for me as well. I, I agree, especially with the last point that you just made there, uh, Corey, that it, like, it's not like essential viewing, but I think there's a certain segment of the population that eats this kind of movie up and would fucking love it. And so, yeah, it's it's fun. I liked it a lot when I was younger. It was kind of entertaining. Um, like we've touched on, Willem Dafoe's character is really interesting, but there's also some troubling aspects to that part of the movie as well. But yeah, a soft yes for me. Brother Josh. 
Yeah, this is a soft yes for me. I think anyone with any sort of like empathetic like feeling or thoughts that extend outside of themselves or their own religious beliefs could easily see where in America if this script was turned to where it was two Muslim guys deciding that anything that was against their religious beliefs they're just going to kill the infidels um wow that just wouldn't really be received really well it wouldn't be that it's so cool like it's so like do you coming mean, after nine eleven. i know this especially. is your time but do you mean change every or keep everything but that aspect what do you mean you're saying just have them instead of be like like two white Catholic guys be like two Muslim guys? Sure. Yep. Okay. Damn. Yeah. I never thought about that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, nobody has. No, I just think it's pretty obvious that if you're going to have two religious bigots deciding to <laughs> kill people based on their religious beliefs that you would obviously in your brain as like kind of a guess and check, just normal human reaction insert other religions in there like kind of cycle them through like oh how would i feel about this or this or this and that's pretty that's pretty fucked up thought to think that just like any couple people like their religious killing people views could be glamorized in such a way but i i already said i'm giving this a soft yes and like it's one of those kind of like b movies where you could not predict what's gonna happen in the next scene and it really takes you for a ride still. Um, I too was caught up in thinking like this is like a super cool movie when I was in my teens and stuff. And like, that's fine. I don't need to be that person anymore. But I do think as like a movie, it's kind of cool to see an amateur filmmaker like try to take the best parts of some of his movies that he clearly likes. And at the same time, like have this clearly like unhinged freedom within the storytelling that really keeps you on your toes as you watch it so that's kind of the basis for my yes um i'm still just so disappointed that jordan couldn't fill in that poem from earlier (laughs) kylo you can feel free to edit that whole portion out i'm getting i'm getting harassed offline (laughs) (laughs) It's not Jordan's fault. I overestimated. I, we yeah. have a little age gap there, and yeah, <laughs> I overreached. Thank you, Josh. I, sorry for interrupting your um, yes or no. I will make no a point to not do that again. I realized as I was doing it that's against the rules. So again, I apologize. <laughs> Whatever. There's no rules. You're the host. You make the rules. Oh, okay. In that case, Pappy, you go next right now. I like what Josh said about <laughs> Troy Duffy's unhinged freedom. That's a good way to describe a lot of this movie. Um, it kind of feels like a comic booky origin story, right? And I think they even say that, like one of the people in the credits, so something to the effect of like it's gonna be Batman, Spider Man, and the Saints, Saints, like on people's walls and stuff. So I mean, like it's so over the top. To, to the point where, like I said, like the Bugs Bunny thing at this point, it's like really hard to take seriously, but that's like next to the saints, like praying very seriously. You know what I mean? And the stuff with their dad and like the miracle with the, the wet dream that they have, which is just super weird. The, the tone's all over the place, but 
Uh, it's really going to just come down to nostalgia for me. So I'm going to give it a super duper duper soft. Yes. Based on that, just because it reminds me of hanging out with the longs in the basement. (laughs) But like, I don't recommend this movie by any means. I don't think this is a good movie at all. Like, let me make that clear. It's pretty dumb. (laughs) Parts of it have aged kind of badly, but, but mostly it's just really stupid and borrowy and not good, but I've had fun watching it in my life. So I can't really give this a no. For that reason. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Pappy. Thank you all very much. It's time for some good old-fashioned long-form trivia. This is Poor Man's Jeopardy! <laughs> so we're finally going to do some actual movie trivia. That oh. only happens when I host. <laughs> this is going to be in a fashion similar to Jeopardy, the TV show popularized by Aaron Rodgers. This is how it works. There's a board with categories, and our contestants will choose their category and point value, kind of like Jeopardy, except we're going to go to each person one at a time. If the player gets it right, they get points, and if they get it wrong, they will lose points. Whoever has the most points at the end is our winner. That person will get to select the next movie we do a podcast on, and they will host that episode. So that's how things work here at Spoilers. We rotate hosts based on this kind of trivia. And this is a game that I have brought forth. So I adjusted things because um, Brother Jordan had to leave us. So it's just the five of you. Pappy, you are up first. I am going to read the categories. First category, released in 2001. Ooh. Followed by The Phantom Menace. Next one, Michael Fassbender. Followed by Willem DeFriend. Followed by Mob Movies. So those are our five categories for our five contestants. Uh, I have a couple more if we need them. I will take Mob Movies for two, please. This 2018 flop starring John Travolta currently has a 0% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Scotty? Please repeat. What is Scotty? That is correct. You have two points, sir. <laughs> Just a reminder, you must answer in the form of a question, as Pappy did. Because, yeah. uh, well, I don't think the questions are too hard, but I guess you guys will be the judge of that. Stevie, you're up next. Let's go. We're going to lose this thing. Let's do movies in 2001 for three, Alex. Released in 2001 for three. This sci-fi adventure film stars Mark Wahlberg and was directed by Tim Burton. (sighs) What is Planet of the Apes? That is correct. Let's go. I was prepared to do negative three. I already had it typed in, but what? <laughs> you actually have <laughs> positive three points. <laughs> Brett, you're up. Uh, I'll go released in 2001 for two. In this film, Method Man and Red Man go to Harvard. Uh, what is how high? That is correct. Everyone is scoring so far. Josh, you're up next. Pork chalk and chunky. 2001 for one. 
In this film, Jake Gyllenhaal asks his imaginary friend why he wears a stupid bunny suit. <laughs> uh, it's not S. Darko. What is Donnie Darko? <laughs> who is who is okay. Donnie Darko? <laughs> Thank you for playing it up for the uh, suspense. It's a real who wants to be a millionaire kind of situation going on here. Mikey, you're up. Uh, let's go. Uh, Fastbender for two. Michael Fassbender's character name in the movie Prometheus. What is David? That is correct. You have two points. Everyone has scored so far. No one has gotten a question wrong. Great job, guys. We're going back around to Pappy. I'm the friend. (laughs) I'll take mob movies for one, Corey. (laughs) Director of the 1995 American crime epic Casino. Who is giant fan of Marvel, Sir Martin Scorsese? Uh, that's actually incorrect. He's not a fan of Marvel movies. That's negative one for you. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> no, of course, that is correct. It's not cinema. You are now tied for the lead with Stevie. Both have three points, but Stevie is up next. Uh, let's go. Spoilers favorite, Michael Fassbender for three. Stevie to take the lead. Michael Fassbender starred in Assassin's Creed, which was released this year. And what year was it released? Right. Oh, that's a Notre Dame year. That was a, uh, that was uh, 2016. <laughs> that is correct. Although I cannot confirm if it was a Notre Dame year because I don't <laughs> know what that means. Uh, Notre Dame had their worst season, like nearly of all time during that year. And I, for, for a lot of things I remember, like compare like with that year so I remember that specifically well you now have a massive lead with six points Brett you are up next I will go with mob movies for three in a 2015 film directed by Scott Cooper Johnny Depp plays this infamous organized crime boss uh who is Whitey Bulger? That is correct. Well done, Brett. What's the movie, Brett? Black Mass. There you go. That movie was so bad. Black Mass, yeah. Josh, you're up next. There is a category specifically for you that you haven't touched. <laughs> I would like to remind you. <laughs> specifically. specifically for me? Film the friend. Is it the friend or the... <laughs> I'll go Phantom Menace for two. Gotta be Phantom Menace. Anakin Skywalker was a slave owned by Sand. this person. Oh. <laughs> Please repeat. I, I yelled out the word sand and then I wasn't able to actually hear what you said. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll repeat it. Anakin Skywalker was a slave owned by this person. George Lucas. <sighs> okay Anakin was a slave 
and Qui-Gon Jinn had to win him by cheating at dice, using the Force to cheat at dice, from this weird, strange, winged creature, who I, which I believe who is Watto. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Well done, Josh. Josh, it's late. <laughs> the hour is late. You guys have to bear with me. I suck at trivia so bad, I have to walk myself through it, okay? It's not for show. I promise you. Uh, I'll do Willem DeFriend for two. Yes. Willem became the Green Goblin in the 2001 film Spider-Man, but before that transformation... His character was a semi-father figure to Peter Parker and went by this name. It was Norman Osborn. Very good, Mikey. Yes. Nice. So everyone has scored. Uh, quick score update, and there's one round left. Stevie has six points. Brett is right behind him with five. Mikey has four. And Pappy and Josh both have three. Everyone Woo! has scored, though unprecedented so let's see how confident you guys are moving into the next round i'm not confident at all give me phantom menace for one kylo (laughs) for one (laughs) playing the long game phantom menace for one jar jar binks becomes a military commander in this (laughs) army oh what is neb um what is naboo <laughs> I'm afraid that is incorrect. No. Gungan? Gungan Army? What is the Gungan Army? Also would have accepted the Gungan, Gungan Grand Army. The Gungans. <laughs> the Gungas. <laughs> I screwed myself. You know, the most powerful army. Stevie, you are up. I'll take Willem DeFriend for three. Nice. <laughs> Stevie wants to secure this game right here, right now. Let's go. In this 2018 movie, Willem played Volko, friend and mentor to Arthur Curry. Oh, that is, what is Aquaman? I I thought three was supposed to be That is correct. Let's go. I don't even know what those words were. What? (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? What was that question? GG. A lot of comic book terminology thrown into one sentence. Phantom Menace 3. <laughs> Brett. If I would have known they were all going to be this easy, I would have gone threes early. <laughs> yeah, I did make them easier this round because uh, going back and listening to some of the former episodes is kind of sad to hear. <laughs> what? what? Just because everybody ends negative? Come on, man. There was a lot of negatives, yeah. <laughs> Phantom Menace for three. The first name of Anakin Skywalker's mother, not to be confused with the pirate. Who is Shmi? That is correct. <laughs> Shmi's me. Her name. Her Shmi? name? <laughs> Her name is Shmi. That's awful. That's stupid. Stevie has secured victory in this game, but for fun, bag. Josh, what's it gonna be? Face bender, for one. All right. In 2011, Michael Fassbender played comic character Eric Lencher for the first time, known better to his foes as this. Can you give me a hint? Was he good or bad? <laughs> Harry Hole. Bad guy. Harry Hole. <laughs> Harry Hole. X Men. 
I honestly have no idea. <laughs> um, bad guys. Ian McKellen. Just go for it. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Who is Magneto? They weren't just his foes. They were his day oh, foes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I wasn't even Magneto. thinking of that. You're right. I was thinking of the fire guy's name for some reason. You're right. I have actually Mikey, just for fun, and I think you will get this. In the lighthouse, Willem was both friend and enemy of Thomas Howard, <laughs> a.k.a. Winslow, played by this actor. Who's Robert Pattinson? Very good. Of course that was an answer on here. God, you could have said friend and Defoe. Wow, I guess I'll... Will you make this for us, or was this for the third grade class you mentor? <laughs> <laughs> this is great, though. People are getting them left and right. I am glad that you guys are able to score in this game. Brett, you almost had it. You have eight points, but Stevie is today's victor with nine points. Let's go. We're going to take it to Spoiler Man for a quick moment and come back. Stevie's going to tell us what movie he is going to host. What you got to say, Spoiler Man? <laughs> Make sure to check out Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. And we are back. Stevie is here to announce the movie pick that he has. Go ahead, take it away. This is exciting times because this is the last movie that we're going to do before Josh is going to get those fingers out and start busting out some timestamps for Return of the King. Um, it's really exciting, but it's Christmas season. I've been thinking about doing this movie for years. I've always oh. been afraid to. <laughs> um, this is a true Christmas classic to me. It's a movie classic to me. We're going gorecore. This is oh, no. <laughs> such an amazing movie. I can't even describe it. We're going to be doing the 90s classic, Nathan Lane staple, Mouse Hunt. Gorecore. Gorecore. Let's go. What does gorecore mean? I should have seen this coming. Yes. Uh, you've been talking about Mouse Hunt for a while. Time flies, Corey. I brought this up to you in May. Is this four <laughs> movies for Gore Verbinski? Is he like the new oh. king? Too many. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> <laughs> all right stevie well we look forward to that i'm sure the audience does as well this has been a lot of fun uh, i guess that wraps up this episode of spoilers thank you all for bearing with us during this longer episode i'd say that's about it take it away spoiler man special thank you to our patrons matt troll <laughs> Killed your cat, you druggy bitch! Brother Brian. I felt it would bring closure to our relationship. Druid King. You're huh? You what, bitch? Nick. I'll shoot myself in the head! You can tell me that cat's name! David. Jesus, what color was it, bitch? Nurse Stacy. Will you fucking yell at her like that, you prick? Brother Ellis. Yep, you fat ass, Ravy. I can't buy a pack of smokes without running into nine guys you fucked. The Meg. It's Megalodon. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. 
Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. Fixes in like the longs for me to do it. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, can you Brett. hear me? Sorry, I was talking to Brittany. <laughs> Brett, do you, Brett, do you feel cheated right now? Is that? I was. I just feel disappointed. Man. Yeah, you didn't choose three. I. They're usually hard. <laughs> I like to wade into the threes. Brett, you got to risk it to get the biscuit, oh, yeah, that's man. That's a that's a strategy. Take. Are you saying I need to risk it all? Yeah. Risk it all, Brett. Here's the thing. I had no idea if you guys would consider these hard or not. I didn't know some That's of them. That's why I was going for the ones. The ones were always the, the surefire way to win. <laughs> you, literally won, Shmi you literally or any won the, the last yeah. time one of us did this because you did the ones every time, Peppy. Right. You, uh, yeah, you did my Predator. I've seen Phantom Menace like nine times. I feel like the Watto question. I've seen so many memes. I still have a hard time pulling out I didn't Watto. know the mom's name was Shmi. That's terrible. I would have never gotten that. Yeah, that's a hard one. Sounds like a pirate from Peter. Too bad uh, they didn't pick that one, huh? Yeah. I know nothing about Star Wars, so I was avoiding that as much as possible. I get it, though. Corey, I thought when I did my Predator one, I was like, these are all way too easy, and I made them hard, and literally, like, nobody... I think Pappy won with two points, or one point, because he got two of the ones right and then missed a one, and everyone else was, like, at, like, negative eight. So, exactly. I get it. Strategy. I did try to like tone him down, and, and you guys probably saw that some of these are carryover from like the snowman, like the Michael Fassbender one. <laughs> I was wondering. In, yeah, that makes sense. Released in 2001 was a carryover from Hedwig, I think. All right, I'm ready. Ooh. That was spoilers.